Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. How's it going, Peter? All right. Man, we uh, we just got un- under the wire, man. We were having like technical difficulties and sure. everything else. <laughs> All sorts of problems. First time in the new studio. We're going to get the the, visu- uh, the video section going here after the break. Uh, looking forward to a full night, man. J.D. Nash, we'll be talking to him. He'll be calling in in about five minutes or so. And uh, it's been, I looked it up, I think the last time J.D. was here was about three years ago. Wow. One, yeah, as, as, as his oh, own it guest. Seemed that long ago, he's been, you know, he's been. I think he's been here with other people, I know, Raspin, and uh, maybe even with the uh, the Heat Seekers. Uh, I, 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 he may have even come with the Wicked Saints once or twice too. But uh, as his uh, own solo artist, uh, it's been about three years since he's been on. So we look forward to talking to him. Uh, Bob Case, we'll be chatting with Bob Case again uh, after uh, JD. Uh, last time Bob Case was on, uh, we had a lot of talk about he had some insight in the USC and. Uh, he's the vice president of the International right. Boxing Association, and he worked with the, in the MLB with the Angels and such. So, always a pleasure to talk to Bob. And of course, we got uh, beer tasting and Anthony Davis and all that kind of stuff, and T Bone's timeout, and all the usual stuff. We're back, man. We're back. Uh, how you been, man? Mm, you know, I've been all right. I want to say I'm worn out. It seems uh, seems like I've been moving for like a year. That's what it feels like. Just unpacking, unpacking, unpacking. I've reached the point now where pretty much all the boxes are empty. Uh, that's good. But now I've reached that point where, like, where does this go in this house? Yeah. You know, uh, which is its own. I've actually started hanging some art today. So nice. We're getting there. You're we're getting, getting there. there. It's slow but steady. Yeah. And as I mentioned, my daughter's been having a couple issues of uh, just adjustment to. Uh, New place. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's she loves having her own room, her own, her own bathroom. But there are there's some other issues. Yeah, that's involved. be expected a little bit. So, yeah, we'll get we'll get there, man. Here's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worn You're out. You're like the sooner the better, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, since uh, since we uh, we're running we're putting pretty tight tonight, let's take our first break and then uh, 
We'll come back and get JD on the line. What do you think? Sounds good. We're gonna listen and learn from JD. This is one uh, we 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 play we play quite a bit. It's called Fifty Five. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. This is JD Nash, Fifty Five. Back after this. <laughs> Heavy hearts and dying hearts have no rhythm
listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sharp on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. J.D. Nash back to the show. Uh, hey, how are you? How you doing, man? It's uh, We just played 55. Uh, I remember last time we talked to you about that. It, it was a little, uh, you had a great story about that. I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. But uh, for our listeners who don't know much about you, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from, how you guys started in music, and, uh, and let's go from there. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, well, um, I grew up uh, in Colorado and then Virginia for about a year and then Arizona. And uh, my stepdad, who is 55 is about, um, taught me how to play drums. He, you know, I first, sorry, that's my phone. Um, he introduced me to, to Zeppelin and Floors and like all the, the great bands of the 60s and stuff. And he played drums. And uh, he taught me how to play drums. And I started doing it in the junior high in the orchestra band. And um, then. Uh, uh, did drum set and stuff, and then uh, got guitar and everything, and started to play bass, and then got into a Christian metal band for about five years, and um, then uh, fast forward to now, I'm out here just doing the acoustic thing. Wow, I know that. Yeah. I know that. Uh, you know, as far as uh, we, we know, we've we've seen you uh, with so, in so many different uh, groups. I mean, we, we know you, you were doing percussion for Aspen. I know you did some stuff with the Heat Seekers and. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many other ones, and and yet you still had time to do your own thing. How were you able to do, to do all that? Uh, you know, work with all these other bands and, and musicians, as well as have time to do your own thing. Um. Uh. Well, we. I always set up a rule that uh, if um, just respectfully that I know we're all trying to do the same thing, um, and uh, sometimes we get overbooked, but you don't mean to. Uh, so I always tell them like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely play, but if um, if something comes up uh, that's that's my stuff, um, I, I want to go for that. So I always try to, you know, I always want. I came out here just to, to sing and, and uh, play guitar and stuff and play my music and stuff too. But if, as long as it works out, you can do it. I was doing like seven bands at one time uh, when I wasn't working. But it wasn't like I play every day. It was just like, oh, they need somebody on this day and on that day and. And you guys really, by now, like, it's hard for me to ask for money to do it. I just love to play. So all my musician friends were like, oh, you got to set a fee. I'm like, well, what if they're as broke as me? They're not going to pay me. I'll be able to play. So. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's a hustle, isn't it? It's, I mean, uh, you need to be, yeah. especially in Southern California, I mean, it's, it's a hustle. You gotta be willing to love what you do so much to just play for the bartender. If you enjoy the, the bartender likes you, at least, you know. We've got somebody that sees a lot of bands and everything, and you get an honest opinion. You know, you don't have to ask for it and stuff. So, but you just, I just love to play, man. Like I'll play when we do the record now. I'm gonna play bass on it. So, you know, um, it's just uh, my favorite thing to do. So, when uh, you know, you, we we talked about 55, and you talked about how you wrote that about your stepdad. Uh, when it comes to writing songs, where do you, where does that inspiration come from? I mean, is it always about uh, somebody you know or an experience? Um, yeah, it's, 
it's all the good and bad stuff that, you know, in the daily life, you know, relationships, you know, ending and, uh, you know, people passing away. And um, I, my main goal is just to, you know, I'll write down all my experiences and everything, but I know we all kind of experience the same stuff. And so if I can, uh, you know, um, help somebody by just, you know, saying what's going on with me, then, you know, I'll, I know that's, that's for me, if I listen to a song and it like, hits me, you know, right here or whatever, um, I would love the chance to be able to tell the person, hey, that, you know, that really spoke to me. And I know as I've seen other bands, when somebody comes up to you and says that, that's like, that's what it's all about, is to touch somebody with doing what you love to do. So it can be a lot of things. It can be, you know, like relationship stuff or, or um, just somebody struggling with some of my friends and want to write something to help them out and I dedicate it to them. So, I don't know, Depends on, I guess, what the, when the news the news strikes you. I guess. Uh, when uh, when uh, when we first met, you were talking you were you were talking about uh, you know, some of the places that you've been playing around town, and I believe you had you had some stuff going at the Viper Room, and and, and it seems like uh, you know I, I I see your stuff that comes out and, and the things you you know you put out on social media. It seems like things have been picking up for you the last the last year or so. Uh, yeah, the, the Rainbow's been really, really cool to us. Um, uh, I, I never knew that they did music there. For, uh, I knew they did open mics for a while, and uh, we just, excuse me, we're playing in Burbank, and uh, this other band called Jam Swing, and it's great, just like uh, jam band, no vocals, just all instrumental, just like, ah, so good. They uh, they liked what, um, what I was doing, and they said, do you want to play Rainbow? We have a show, we have an open spot for like 45 minutes, and I said, sure. And so um, I haven't been down there since doing open mic a long time ago. And so I went down there, and they liked me, and now we're here. And, you know, people have coming coming on as far as bartenders and sound people and booking people. But everybody seems to know that I'm doing, you know, once a month, and now it's every other Monday. And then it's been like three or four Mondays in a row and um, got some good tips and, you know, sold a bunch of CDs. and. It doesn't seem like Hollywood, though. It seems like some weird dive bar in, like, some small town. It really does. It's weird. It's like, <clears throat> sorry, it looks like some kind of, like, pirate ship. It's all wooden up there. There's, like, you know, uh, Sailor Jerry's and Jolly Rogers and, like, weird, you know, uh, pirate wheels and stuff. It's, it's really strange. And where the stage is, it's down through some stairs, and there's some wood paneling uh, that, that blocks kind of the sound. So it's kind of strange that... You never expect that the band would play up there, but, um, yeah, they, they let us play. We don't have to sell tickets. We don't have to pay to play. We play for, like, two and a half hours until we're tired and want to go home. And uh, they've been uh, giving us free pizza. So that's been really nice. And um, so it's, it's cool. So, yeah, we get a little residency going on. Nice. Um, oh. You know, did you- how many people are you playing with now? I mean, you, you know, when you do the acoustic thing, is that just solo stuff, or uh, and then you do electric, uh, you know, the, the whole the whole band thing, or, or how many people are in your group? I don't know. I change my mind so much. I'll 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 buy a guitar, um, acoustic, and then the next week I'm like, oh, I want to try electric, and and I can't get away from the metal, but I don't want to do that anymore. So it's weird. I don't know. I change my mind. So uh, um, right now. It's me and, uh, and and my and my drummer Logan Miles Nick, who's just awesome. I met him on Craigslist, and uh, he's from Albuquerque, and just awesome. And at one point we had a stand-up bass, but then that didn't uh, work out with the guy and stuff. But 
it depends, like, there's shows where I'll just play by myself, and it's cool to have that freedom that I don't have to cancel just because someone else can't play, and they're cool with me not canceling and just, sorry, <clears throat> just uh, keeping the gig and keeping the exposure going. So um, it's cool to have that freedom to, you know, have people that I play with that are like, yeah, if you want to play, go for it. So it's a totally different animal when you play by yourself because you get to speed up or slow down depending on the moment. You can, you know, stop playing and keep singing and have it be all dramatic and stuff. And um, But drums are cool, too, because you can rock out a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. The, uh, I understand. You have a, do you have a new CD or you have it out now or do you have one coming out? Oh, we just finished the drum tracks. We're still recording right now, so we still got a ways to go. But it's uh, ten new songs that we're playing uh, at Rainbow all the time. And uh, we want to be sure that what we have on the record is what people are going to be able to see because we want to want to false advertise. You know, you don't want to overproduce something and then kind of go play it and people expect something that they don't get. And they're like, wait, what's going on? So it's just bare bones, just drums and guitar, harmonica, vocals, and... Um, just all acoustic, and I'm going to call it wood grain because it's kind of more of an organic type of sound, kind of Johnny Cash thing going on. And uh, yeah, um, luckily uh, my drummer has his own studio lockout uh, in Burbank, and then um, has 24 hour access, so we're just going to record there. And uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing in between playing all the time at Rainbow. So. Well, I know you. I know you. I know you like uh, out there, uh, like being out there playing and and live performances. Do you uh, do you enjoy the, the 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 studio aspect of it also? Uh, yeah, and it's cool because you're so rehearsed because you play the songs all the time, and and since we get to play every week, it's you tend to get bored sometimes. So when it comes to the studio, you just like, all right, let's just play. All right, this song, okay. So we're nice and rehearsed, so it's gonna go pretty quick. We're going to play another one from you here uh, during the break here. We're getting ready to, to queue up uh, One Life, One Chance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, a song I wrote, uh, One Life, One Chance, just about we all have one life and one chance to do what we love, and that's music for me. And I wrote it back in Arizona before I moved out here. And uh, it's just um, just kind of uh, to inspire everybody that hears it to uh, just you know go after their dreams and just... I had to take a risk to do this stuff, but I'm still taking a risk doing it. So if you have something nice, they go after it. But you don't want to regret it later if you didn't take the chance. So that's kind of what's up. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to have one chance. One, two, one, two, three, Well, it's hard to send us. The one living in the 
Hi, I'm JD. I'm gonna take you home from Northern Transportation. Okay. Okay. Cool. To meet you. You can do the marker right now. Okay. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion? After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Go for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. 
Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Sylvia, why won't you come back down? Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, Peter, you had a question for him. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you were saying that you're laying uh, some drum tracks, uh, so you're working on a new album. Uh, what's your What's your time frame, and uh, what's it? What is it? A, is it kind of a continuation of the sort of stuff you've been doing, or is it uh, taking a new direction? Um, there's no uh, since we have 24 hour access. There's no deadline, and Logan uh, plays with other people as well, so he'll go out of town for you know a couple of days or a week or so. And then when he comes back, we'll go to the studio for a couple hours and you know, try to bang out everything as much as we can. Um, but we're hoping, I don't know, by January, I guess. And um, it's it's all acoustic. It's um, you know I've I've been uh, singing a lot lately, you know, so I've, I'm taking a, a couple riffs and doing a couple high notes and stuff I've never done before, and I'm able to, I don't know, uh, last longer when we play and stuff. So. Um, but it's still kind of a Johnny Cash type of um, type of feel, all acoustic, some harmonica. That's new. Um, so it's just I don't know what we've been writing lately, what I've been writing lately. So it's different from the the previous stuff. But I want to be sure that when we do acoustic on the record, they're going to see that when we play. So everybody seems to like it. It doesn't have to be a big, you know, five or six people, two people can just do it. So I don't know. It works. I like it. <laughs> Now, besides the uh, besides, besides the, the the residency at the Rainbow, are, are you are you gigging anywhere else? Um, yeah, there's this place called Rosenthal Wine Bar uh, in Malibu, right by the water, like right across the street. Um, and we've done that a couple times. Uh, they want to do a CD release show when the CD's uh, totally finished, and we get it back from Bison Disc. Um, so there's that. Uh, we're working on another residency. They're looking for. Uh, a band probably during the week, I guess. Uh, I want to say Culver City, a place called Irish Times. It's like some Irish pub. Mm-hmm. Um, the bartender that worked at Rainbow, the uh, left Rainbow, but still kept her band contacts because she was the booking lady at first, and so she wants to come and have us do uh, wants us to come down and do one of the nights, but, but that hasn't happened yet. So, but we'll see. Last time you and I talked, you know, we, we talked about all the different places and, and all the different, you know, like you said, you don't, you know, Rainbow, you just go there and play. You don't have to guarantee anything or, or pay to play and stuff like that. And, um, but you were talking about, you know, just kind of that, that whole process, uh, you know, after coming here to L.A. Um, you know, for, for those who are listening who are kind of new to the game and stuff like that, any any advice for uh, musicians out there that are, that are just, just arriving here and, and trying to maneuver that minefield? Um, have lots of patience. Uh, don't get frustrated. Uh, you have to really love just to play, sometimes for nobody. Uh, the pay-to-play thing, I understand where they're coming from. I totally do. They need to make their money. Um, it's just uh, it's tough when you don't have a crowd, you don't have a following, but once you do, that should be pretty easy. So we're all starting at the same point, and just 
don't give up. I know it gets frustrating. Believe me, I get frustrated myself when uh, you, know, you, you promote all the time and, and uh, get the word out and then people don't show up or something. Um, but uh, So that happens, but you have to really love uh, to play and um, sometimes to nobody. But um, then there's those, I think what's cool about it is that when you don't play for anybody, when a lot of people do show up, you tend to notice more and you're like, whoa, oh, cool, awesome. And that comes back. You know, you get that adrenaline. You're like, "Oh, sweet! I actually have people." Okay, so, but you know, that's just that's with any band. Everybody started at the same point. Everybody, you know, was at this point, you know, at one time or another. So, you know, you just got to keep at it. You know, everybody seems to like it. I just, you know, when people say, "Oh, great job," I say, "Okay, let me take you and make like 50 of you, or like clone you somehow." That's what we need. We need more of this guy. Well, you know, the thing is, is you, you have to you have to get out there and play uh, to, to, to build that following. And you never know who that, you yeah. know, even like you said, if you're just playing for the bartender, you never know who the bartender knows or, or who the bartender is or, or what, the, what can go from there and, and things. And that's know. what's so cool about it. Yeah, because it's like there's a mystery to it because, like, you're just out there doing your thing and it's so organic that you don't want to, you don't want to get um, distracted by it. Say it's a showcase and this person's going to be there, this person's going to be there. I'd rather not know. And then afterwards, you knowing that you, you you play from your heart and everything, not just to, to impress anybody, and then someone was watching, you're like, oh, wow, cool, thanks. I, I think it should be that way. I like it because it, it's fun for this, you know, to, to do it this way, and, and uh, it's tough. It's a DIY and all that stuff. But I'm having lots of fun just playing and playing at Rainbow. The other night I was joking around that, uh, you know, at, on Facebook it says, you know, what's your – Occupation. I put songwriter at the at the rainbow. So I went and bought a rainbow shirt and and uh, and wore it while I was playing. So I, I was telling him I felt like an employee. <laughs> well, you know, the manager thought that was fun. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying the manager thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what happens a lot of times is uh, as a as an audience member, you know, you could tell if somebody's really enjoying enjoying you know, what they're doing. And, I, and I, I've seen, you know, hundreds of shows. And I could tell you that there's a couple of shows that I thought were some of the best shows I've seen. And there was about five of us sitting in the audience, you know. And but the, the Yeah, people but that's cool because then, yeah, then the band plays like they're playing for a ton of people. Yeah. I totally understand. Sure. Great. Um, what's next? I mean, you got, you got, the, you got the CD uh, that's, uh, that's you're kind of finishing up. Uh, you're going to be promoting that. Uh, you're going to. Um, you mentioned a place in life. I want to have a CD uh, party. Will people be able to like do it in advance ordering or anything like that? Any pre-promotional stuff? Um, I don't know. Uh, I've been really cool with uh, with Bison Disc. They did the first one. Um, I'm sure I can maybe uh, um, talk to them about doing a single or something like that, and just pressing like a, a simple like you know sleeve type of thing, um, or and, and pass that out or something like that. But um, uh, I know I I like it out here. I do, but I still miss my friends and family in uh, Arizona. When I when I went back, it was not a really rock and roll thing to do, and I'm, I'm not I don't really care. I don't have any shame. But uh, I cried on the uh, um, on the plane home because it's like it's so you're so used to one place and you live there for so long. And you associate your friends with that place, and uh, um, you know, just to leave like that, you leave everybody behind, and they 
um, they totally support what you do, but then when you go back, it's like you never left. And you don't. I don't have the same experiences that I have out here that I had there. So just seeing the green street signs in Tempe, I'm like, oh, God. So I want to go back, and we're going to try and set up something for January uh, to see everybody maybe play in Tempe, where I used to play uh, open mics all the time. Um, so that's, we just started talking about it the other day. Uh, Logan's going to talk to people he knows over there. Uh, I'm going to talk to some other people I know. Uh, talk to my bosses at his school. So um, that's another thing. It's cool to bridge the gap, be able to go back and see everybody and have them be proud of me and and uh, miss them and still come back out here and, and know that they're still there and I can still you know uh, keep in contact with them and stuff. Oh, absolutely. You always you always have to go home and and, and revisit some of those places you've played before and. And uh, you know, just you know, that way, your your friends and your family there can come out and see you uh, locally, and especially those who can uh, can make it to LA to come see you. So, you know, that's that's a, that's a good thing. Like you said, you can kind of you kind of have those whole, those heartfelt feelings there and you, and memories and whatnot. And it's always good to go back and, and visit. Yeah, because you you never want to burn any bridges, and you want to be sure that people get the credit they deserve for help for helping you. You know, so I want to go back to the same places and. You want to stay grounded like that, and that's what's that's what's cool about being a musician, though, is that we're always torn between two different things: between Arizona or California, or you know, a girl or work. Like one of the new songs is called "The Conflict," and it's just talking about you know choosing a relationship over music and or not, and is it worth it, and that kind of thing. And uh, those make great songs, but they're hell to go through sometimes. <laughs> so um, I think. When people say, uh, "Oh, you know, great song, I really love it," thank you because yeah, it, I wasn't uh, I wasn't taking it. That's for sure. So I know that sounds a very emo thing to say, but you know, the some of the best songs are written in the really crappy moments when you got to get something done and get it out. So when someone says they they uh, they know what I'm talking about when they when they hear the song, I'm like, "Well, good. It's not just me then. All right." So. <laughs> well, we're gonna take another quick break, and uh, we're gonna play uh, "Remember November." What's that about? Oh, wow, that's perfect. Okay, it's about a relationship that, that didn't go so great, um, but was really cool at one point, and uh, um, it's basically just focusing on the good part of a bad situation and just remembering the positive times, even though they may not, that situation may not end the best. Um, she, you know, was got back into drugs and everything, and so there's a line in there that says, um, uh, about addiction and stuff. Um, so it's just, it is kind of going out to when we go through crappy times, there are good, it's not always so black and white when it comes to relationships or, or friends and stuff like that. So when that situation ends, you want to focus on the good times, even though the, the bad times happen, but it's better to, to come away you know, with a learning experience and focus on the positive things with that situation, I think. So, yeah. Cool. And, and it's a, in a nutshell. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, listen to that, and we'll be back with you in just a little bit. Listen to Switch on the Talk Star Radio Network. We're here live with J.D. Nash. This is Remember November. Back after this.
Talking for hours, living our lives, taking our time. It's going on three years now, and in my mind, you're still the same. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? 
Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. At 7 I shower. Every day I wake up For at those five. caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. This is Mean and Nasty, and I'm a Virgo. Yo, LJ. Gemini. You're listening to Swoops World Radio. Get with it, or get lost. Very lost. Swoops World. Yeah, we in here. I mean, sit next to me. This is how we do it. Listen. Okay, vibe with me as I speak. You witnessing the legend. Black J, we repping 102 DIY to the depth. Ain't no clutches on me. This- Welcome back to Suits. I'm the Talk Story Radio Network. We're here live with J.D. Nash. Uh, we just played one for him. J.D., uh, if people want to uh, get a hold of you for bookings and find out anything about what's going on with you, how do they, how do they go about doing so? Uh, well, there's a, a website is uh, reverbnation.com slash JD Nash. Uh, I put all the shows up on there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, booking and stuff. There's any venues out there that want to book us. Um, that's JD Nash Rocks at yahoo.com. That's JD Nash and R O C K S at yahoo.com. Um, yeah. That, or the YouTube channel is the, the channel's name is JD Nash Rocks altogether. It's kind of all consistent and the same thing. Try to get a, get all the information out that uh, everyone comes on. Uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we uh, we didn't touch on yet? Um, no, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm still working. It's been a long day. I've been at it since like six thirty this morning, so uh, I can't think of anything. My brain's kind of done. Yeah, you got you got you got to pay the bills, brother. You got to get out there. You got to do all day thing and then play music all night, right? <laughs> Yeah, luckily I have a driving job. I don't have to, like, write anything down. <laughs> okay, I don't have to do math anytime. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm good. I, I got my Red Bull every day. So. Well, brother, it's it's been a pleasure having you back on the show, and uh, hopefully it won't be uh, three years again until uh, we, till we hear from you again. It was that long? Really? Yeah, I checked the thing. I think the last time you were here was in 2011, man, so uh, it's been a while. Weird. Well, no, let's do it again for sure. I miss you guys. So, yeah, thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, all all best luck to you. And let us know when that uh, when that CD comes out so we can help you promote it, all right? I will, man. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Best of luck. J.D. Nash, if thanks, you check him out, uh, you can go to uh, the homepage of Sweet right there where he says J.D. Nash is guest on the show, and there's a link to his uh, 
Facebook page, I believe, in there, and that'll take you to everything else. He's got the Reverb Nation and all the other ways to, uh, to contact him and find out what's going on with JD. So uh, do that. We uh, will be doing our Brewski's beer tasting here in a few minutes, and uh, we, uh, we'll have Bob Case coming on uh, about a uh, quarter after the hour. T-Bone's in the house. You got T-Bone queued up over there on that thing? I do now. What's happening, brother? Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> took, took me a while. I got lost on the way to the studio. You oh, know. It's a new studio, new location. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nice digs, though. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah You're definitely. just in the studio. I know. <laughs> i got to say, it's not the nicest part. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very exciting happenings, though. It's good. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. Uh, get things straightened away here for... Uh, that you're here, we'll get you on screen and whatnot, and uh, get ready for some brewski beer tasting and all those kind of good things. Uh, let's see, how about a little channel three, guys? What do you think? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. You make me feel cheap. Channel three, back after this. <laughs> and this one's called "You Make Me Feel Cheap." Joe Thompson. I'm 29, and thanks to my college degree, I'm a systems analyst, and the college me would tell you. I wouldn't be here without Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big brother believed in me, and to a seven-year-old, that means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil, and Phil is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Norman D. Wilson, and you're listening to Sleep's World. Thank JD Nash uh, once again for uh, for coming on the show and and like I said, check him out. The guy's an outstanding musician, plays all kinds of instruments and uh, uh, really does some cool stuff. So if you get a chance, check him out. He sings at the Rainbow Room on a regular basis now, and that's down in Hollywood, I believe, on Sunset. So uh, Ooh, I haven't I haven't done anything uh, up now Sunset Strip in a while. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. A while. <laughs> How's your week been, man? Well. First week of the month is never a ton of fun for me, although today was payday, so that was sort of a nice little cherry. Yeah, I took an extended lunch break today, got myself some some mariscos, and yeah, I've been just kind of not on autopilot, but just not really feeling it this week. And honestly, come Friday, I've got two more weeks until I have a week off of work. So I'm trying not to think about that so much, but... Uh, uh, just a smidge. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, almost there, man. Parole. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, it's been... Uh, I think everybody's kind of had this little phase lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, his pilot didn't know where he was headed. I was going to say, <laughs> don't you have to be going somewhere <laughs> to set the autopilot? <laughs> Excellent point. Uh, <laughs> we got to get our digs in now. Of course. Because we know he's not going to check the archives. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although we could say I'm with him right here, too. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, so uh, like I said, what do you, what do you see me over there? I was just kind of... Still, still settling in. You know, there's a lot of storage space. I feel like we could hide a lot of dead bodies in here. <laughs> they probably have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, uh, really, uh, really got to explore the studio space. Yeah. Yeah, dude. With uh, or without more town. <laughs> it's a little bit further drive, though. Man, a little bit, yeah. Added yeah. a whole other mile or so. Man. Yeah, it's like a mile and three quarters, man. <laughs> Unacceptable. Gas ain't free. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, at least I'm mobile. I got my truck back uh, yesterday, maybe. Maybe Monday, I don't know. Swoop doesn't have to drive me around. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Especially when we were working for that original studio. Yeah. (laughs) Not not our last official studio, but the original studio. Where the magic began. Yeah, that was a short little drive. A little little hop, skip, and jump. Mm -hmm. We, um, 
Wait a second. What are we going to be tasting tonight? Maybe a... Oh. Pull those out. We Let's get, take a look. We can take a look, get started. Look not, not necessarily start at tasting, but uh, uh, we're going to be comparing two beers tonight, two pumpkin beers. Uh, tis the season, I guess, for um, pumpkin-flavored uh, items. Yes. So uh, we're going to be trying, uh, I think one's from San Jose, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're not we're we're not there yet. We're just gonna start chatting about uh, the two brands, and we're, we're so we. Uh, Peter's gonna give us give us all the scoop there in, in a few minutes, but uh, we have one from Shipyard Brewing Company. That uh, sounds like it's in a north pumpkin. That's what northerly it's department. Ale with a natural flavor. The other one is, it's uh, Witch's Hair Pumpkin Ale from Twisted Manzanita Ales in Santee. Santee. Down in, the, down in East, way, huh? East County, San Diego. I, I'm from the North County. All right? <laughs> North County and East County, we don't, we don't get along. You don't get along, man? No. You, you don't, uh, it's like Hatfields and McCoys with 50 <laughs> miles in between us. Oh, you just got to straighten that stuff out, man. <laughs> I opted to just leave. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. You knuckleheads can do what you want. I'm yeah, waiting. have a blast. <laughs> Peter, you wanna you wanna get on the brewskis early, or shall we wait? You gotta you gotta take care of that other thing first. I think we might be all right here. I uh, I did what needed to be done in there. We'll see what happens. Busted some heads, huh? Well, the roadies were getting out of control. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm nowhere near where I need to be on the shipyard things here. Uh, all right, well, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little something. Oh. Uh, you know what? DraftKings, man. Oh, man. I really, really uh, need to take advantage of some DraftKings this week because I lost again <laughs> in, my, in my standard fantasy football. Or yeah, man. But if you go to swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings, you can have the ultimate fun fantasy sports experience without any of that 8 to 12 to 17 week hangover that comes from all the mistakes that you make in that fun few hours of drafting. So if you uh, have ever regretted taking Ryan Matthews in the second round after he breaks whatever the next thing is he's going to break, you need to get yourself on over to DraftKings and do fantasy sports one week at a time. You know, like I said, I don't know what step I'm on in terms of that other thing. <laughs> but one week at a time seems to be the best way to do fantasy sports, uh, especially looking at my record this year. So if you go to swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings or click on that DraftKings banner over on the right side of the page, you are entered into a free, you get a free entry into a big money giveaway. And you get a chance to draft your team, see how they do, let the chips fall where they may, and then you throw it out and start again. Over all the fun with none of the hand-wringing and worrying about bye weeks and all that crap. Might be able to bring Adrian Peterson back on Yeah, hey, nobody's got him on their roster right now. Exactly. So, yes, that's swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings. Nice. For all your fitness needs, uh, check out our good friend Jack Nunn over at Roadworks, R-O-W-O-R-X, for indoor rowing, boot camp, personal training, and much, much more. He's actually got a special 
triathlon training thing going on there too. He's located at 5750 Boathouse Lane, right here in the city of Long Beach, California. Go to www.roadworks.com or give him a call at 562-688-1716. You let him know that Sweeps World sent you. Your first week is free. How you doing over there, brother? Uh, it's moving slow, but it is moving. I got, I'm up on one. If you run it, we can probably oh, keep yeah, going. Oh, yeah, we can go audible.com. You want to do it or you got it? You, you, you got it. Audible.com is uh, a uh, really cool way to, to, to listen to uh, a book, read a book. And uh, as I have been moving, I've ripped through a bunch. I've, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how many. I like four or five books. I, I you, had a bunch of, of, you had a bunch of credits stored up. I had a bunch of credits yeah. stored up and, you know – uh, unpacking is so mindless, right? You can't do anything, and so it's what? You like listen to music, or I was like, well, I might as well listen to a book, and that's what I've done. So I've ripped through five books, four books, whatever it is. Um, it's been fun, fun way to go. Some old books I've read before, and new ones, uh, 100, over 100,000 titles. Um, it's a great way to, to get your reading in uh, when you can't actually read. And uh, like I said, it's such a mindless task un unpacking that it was perfect. <laughs> Made the time fly. Uh, Audible.com forward slash audibletrial.com forward slash Swoops World. You go that way, you will get your first download for free. You can also go to the Swoops World homepage uh, where we have a banner ad, and that will, will take you to the same location. Uh, it's uh, that will earn a few pennies that way, so help us out. And it, it's just a it's a good way to if you're stuck in traffic, if you're traveling. I know my wife uh, my wife's done some traveling here lately uh, to like Asia. I know she downloaded some books, so it's a great there, there are, there's a time and a place for it, and uh, it's a great way to you know, get your reading in. So, I, and I know you've been doing uh, quite a bit too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just finished Jack Reacher novel. Finished another Jack Reacher novel. Reach <laughs> uh, here's the thing, and I, and I told Good you, I, I, like, I like these Jack Reacher novels, but uh, uh, a little, uh, little, let me throw something out to Lee Child, uh, the, uh, the the name he the guy writes under. Uh, you know what, man? Uh, I understand we all got our little things, but it's it just like it, every book, every just every book I've listened to. There's a point in there where there's some Persian rug involved. He's, he's got this Persian rug. <laughs> <laughs> and and, 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 and you know, there's like there's this re recurring, not theme, but these like incidents, right? Where it's like, okay, every place you go to, you know, you go under some guy's house. I've been in thousands of houses, and I, I can tell you, I've only seen probably one or two Persian rugs, you know? <laughs> and he's always, and it's always, he always mentions the twine that they're, they're tied, that they, they get shipped over here and he's stuff got a, like he's that. Got a, he's got a fetish. Yeah, well, yeah, well, back off, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to make his fetish yeah, Expand your mind or some shit, man. <laughs> but no, they're great books, man. I, I just I just finished uh, Enemy, which I think is book, I don't know, nine or ten or whatever of, of, the, of the series. Uh, and they're all good. They're they're all they're all good, and uh, you know it's 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 well it's well written, well read, and uh, like you said, it's it's great when you get stuff going on that you really don't have to concentrate on. It. You can sit there and kind of listen to the book and do what you got to do. I love it. Nice. Sounds good. You ready for brewskis, man? I am. It's time for brewskis, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops World Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for brewskis, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Tonight we're trying two different pumpkin ales. Uh, first one is Shipyard Brewing Company. 
So how do you want to do this? You want to describe them and then taste them yeah, both? Way. Like describe them both and taste them both? Uh, describe them, taste them, describe them. I think we need to treat them as separate entities. Separate but equal. I'm going to get like confused that. otherwise. All right. Shipyard Brewing is where we're going to start then. That's our smash pumpkin. And uh, like I said, I, I kind of like the labels. Uh, nice little Pugsley's Signature Series. Uh, big body, here's what they have to say. Big body beer. With a light coppery orange color and pleasing aroma of pumpkin and nutmeg. Pale ale, wheat, and light Munich malts combined with the natural tannin and pumpkin and the delicate spiciness of sapphire and hollertow hops to balance the sweetness of the fruit. To fully experience all flavors, this beer is best enjoyed at 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is what most Americans consider warm beer. So there you go. So uh, we're going to do our first, uh, first round here of... Uh, Pumpkin ales. The second one, just to kind of put it out there for you as, you, as you listeners listen and think about what's coming ahead. Witch's Hair Pumpkin Ale from Twisted Manzanita Brewery. So, uh, salute. Salute. Paul Peter, uh, T-Bone and I have been uh, doing beer tasting the last couple of weeks. Uh, you're up first this time. Whoa. Well, thing is, is um, my big complaint with pumpkin ales is that they tend to be sweet, uh, and so that's why I don't because they usually add quite a bit of honey or whatever, and it just they're sweet. Um, this one's not quite on the on the well for beer it's on the sweet side, but it's not as sweet as I was expecting. I gotta say though, there's a ton of pumpkin there's flavor, yeah. and I and I like pumpkin, so I mean, I'm all for that. I felt um, like I just stuck a fork into a pie. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's what this is. This this is when you're drinking your Thanksgiving uh, pumpkin pie. That's what this tastes like, and uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's it would probably fall for me into the the dessert beer category because um, I wouldn't drink this. You know, I would drink this instead of eating the pumpkin pie. But this is a really well made. Pumpkin beer. So if you like it, this this is gonna appeal to you, I imagine. T-bone. Yeah, um, it's it's got a fun little nip to it. You know, it's it, it really tasted like taking a bite of pumpkin pie. I mean, it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and I generally am a little wary when there is enough flavor that it tastes like something completely different. But I'm okay with this one. I'm gonna take a picture of it because. I do have to go to you know a Thanksgiving thing this year, and I'm thinking all of the arsenal I can bring with me is going to be helpful. Well, uh, I, I I'm with you guys. I, I, it's it's a good taste of beer. It's uh it's got a lot of pumpkin in it. Yeah, a lot of pumpkin in it, and um, it's where the sweetness goes. Um, you're right; it's a little on the sweet side. But we uh, we had a Manhattan last week. I'll tell you about it later, but uh, <laughs> uh, this this kind of fits to Bill. I mean, it's kind of what I like is, is when I kind of it's it's, it's it's exceeded what I expected, right? But it's kind of right in the realm of what you would expect, right? It's a malty sweetness, right? Meaning the the, the sweetness came from malt and not, not from, a lot of times it comes from honey, honey or, or or just they add sugar because mm-hmm. they want to make it like so. That to me makes it a whole lot more uh, palatable, because. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's still an ale. It's not some sort. You know, they still the only thing they've really it, it tastes like the only thing they've really added is uh, pumpkin. A boatload of pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. So you've got yourself kind of a pale ale on the sweet side with uh, pumpkin. So 
I, I like it. Like I said, it's uh, it's good. You did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, scale of one to ten, ten being best on this one. Well, I'm gonna, as we've talked about, we uh, often do. Uh, uh, I'm gonna compare this to its, its own category, pumpkin ales, and uh, this is probably one of the best, definitely one of the better, but maybe one of the best pumpkin ales I've ever had. So within that category, I'm gonna go with an eight. Very nice. Uh, this, for me, just my gut feeling, I have a hard time going any higher than this. It's a seven point five, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, you're a good company because that's that's where I was sitting at a seven and a half. And uh, uh, but that being said, that's you know the, these types of these specialty beers we really don't very rarely score up in the sevens and eights. No, uh, you know, and so. again you have to you have to kind of compare them to themselves right. to the category. Right. You know, like if if this was a an IPA or, or they called it a pumpkin ale IPA, you'd be like. But it, you know what you're getting, and I, I think given that that's the case. Uh, so the shipyard smashed pumpkin ends up with a seven point seven point six 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 six. What's next up on the on the board there, man? All right, for some reason it's not coming up on that side. But the next one, as I as I previously kind of alluded to, is Twisted Manzanita is the brewery. It's an East. County, San Diego, East County uh, a, uh, Brewery, and uh, this one's got 8.8% alcohol, so that's that's a lot of alcohol for a pumpkin ale. Usually they don't quite go uh, so high, and, oh, good, I've got, here's what they have to say about their own beer. Does it really? Wow, I didn't notice that. Uh, so, uh, the, uh, about the, this, oh, it's the image. <laughs> Read the bottle, man. All right. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Witch's hair, our original seasonal returns to consistently makes, returns to recapture that pumpkin pie essence that consistently makes it a fan favorite with its distinctive pie spice aroma, including cinnamon, clove, nutmeg, and over 30 pounds of pumpkin per barrel. Quite a bit. Every sip heralds the onset of the autumn hints of vanilla and the mola and molasses and round out the flavor for a sweet finish that pairs well with food, whether it be your daily dessert or Thanksgiving feast. So, that's what they have to say. Uh, as mentioned, these guys are out of East County. So, it sounds like they went with the molasses this one. It does. So, this is where I fear that we may be looking at uh, a bit more of that, that sweet but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> you want to start us off again, man? I thought we were waiting. Do the whole salute and cheers. And <laughs> we already did that, but we can do it again. So we'll we separate <laughs> but equal. I thought we said. <laughs> I said separate oh, entities. <laughs> I never tried it out the separate but equal. Well, there's a lot of spices. All right. Uh, you want to, uh, All right. You go ahead. You, you get going. Yeah, there's a lot of spices in this. I think it's, uh, for me, I, I, look, I appreciate the cloves, but I think I think they went overboard with the cloves on, the, on this one a little bit. Uh, I think that's what I tasted there. Um, but that being said, this tastes like 
tastes like a, a, a potpourri, like a, uh, <laughs> like a pumpkin potpourri. Yeah. You, know, like a hot, a you can smell potpourri. it from yeah. about a foot away. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the, 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 I, I think the, the, especially since we tasted the other one first, I think this one's overspiced for me. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not bad, but compare, you know, I have to compare it because I just tasted the other one. Right. Uh, compared to the other one, the other one, the first one stands out far, heads and above, head and shoulders above this one for me. Uh, you want to go? Me, you, me, me. You. Yeah, dude. I. It, this one's just a little overwhelming. I think potpourri is a very accurate description. Um, it, it, vaguely reminiscent of setting foot into a Hallmark store. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like it, it just has, I don't want to make it sound morbid, but like a, a little bit of an old lady's house feel about it. Not a dead old lady. Not dead, old lady. but just an old lady. And when you can, I mean, it's, it's really, it's very aromatic. I, we have... Scarcely sampled a beer that's this yeah. pungent, and it's almost like sticking your head into a bag of ginger snaps. Um, but even ginger snaps have more spice, <laughs> more sharp. Yeah, than, yeah, more than sharp. This. Yeah, exactly. I'm a little baffled. Yeah, baffled. Well, uh, that's good. No, that's, that's good. That's good. Reverse. Yeah. This is um. This is one of those. Uh, pumpkin ales that uh, make me that make me not like this category as a, as a rule is that it, it's too sweet it's too spicy it's too not beer yeah, uh, yeah. I mean I, I don't even this is like this is like a, a liqueur made from beer is almost what this feels like to me tastes mm. like to me so uh, not my you know not what I like uh, uh, to me the beer it should always be beer first and the pumpkin should be a flavor in the beer. And this has gone the other way. This is a, much like last week we, uh, we tasted a, uh, a Manhattan uh, beer. And it was inspired by the Manhattan. And I happen to like oh. Manhattans. And I thought it tasted like a Manhattan. Oh, yeah? Not like a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, that was the, the, the dilemma for that one. You know, it's like, uh, well, it's not really a beer. It's... Kind of a fizzy, a fizzy Manhattan, you know, mm -hmm. type of thing. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, this, uh, for me here, uh, it's just way, way too spicy, and, uh, and uh, for me, it, it's like a four and a half. I agree with you. Three and a half. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and uh, here's the thing: is I don't think it's a poorly made beer. It's, it's no, it's not it's a poorly just made beer. It's not just a, one that we like. Right. Uh, so for me, it's a four, and it's a four because it's not poorly made. It doesn't taste like horrible. It just doesn't taste like something I want to drink. But I'm sure there's somebody if, out there. If you're that pumpkin ale lover that wants a sweet, spicy brew, you know, like uh, th this is for oh, you. Clove taste, right? Oh yeah, you're, you're clove and nutmeg. And, and nutmeg. Yeah, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah. It's just too much. It's yeah. too much. But but I know there are some people that like their pumpkin beers to taste this way. If you like your pumpkin beers to taste this way, this is a well-made pumpkin beer in that category. You yeah. know, for what it's worth. So I give it a four. So it, uh, it's up with a four. So all the way around. Right? You yeah. said four and a half? I think three so. Enough, yeah. I said three and a half, yeah. So it's it, mm -hmm. four. Peter, what, uh, what are we eating with these types of beers? Well, in both cases, uh, let's start with the second beer. In the second beer, 
uh, the Manzanita, Twisted Manzanita. There's really only one. This, that doesn't go with food. That's that's dessert. That's, that's, that is. It, you know, it goes with coffee. You could you drink that and then finish it with your coffee, your espresso, your something, um, maybe some chocolate. You know, I don't know, man. Like you almost feel like you need to put some whipped cream on top of it. That's how. That's how sweet it is. Uh, for the other beer, however, I would say that if you wanted to do something kind of different, kind of fun, this would go with your Thanksgiving turkey. You know, I think it would. It's it's just yeah, the shipyard. Yeah. It's just sharp enough. Uh, normally, you would serve a you know traditionally you serve a white or champagne if you're going wine. Uh, this is light enough. To go with that and like stuffing and gravy, you could serve turkey dinner with that. I think you know it'd be a little stretch, but right. it would, if you want to and let your and give them give those non-beer drinking people the option of having some white wine, this the beer drinkers would love that. I would love that. I think that would be great. Um, it's gonna go with uh, you know the day after your. Uh, your turkey sandwich, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's and that's going to be sit down for the ball game yeah. with your turkey sandwich, and that that's going to be a really nice way to go. And then if you're not doing a big old giant turkey dinner, this is something you could do as a dessert. It's just got just enough sweetness to kind of go finish the night off for for like say a steak meal or or chicken meal or something like that. So it's that one the, the shipyard uh, is a much more versatile uh, brew in that way. Well, there you have it for uh, for our beer tasting today. We tasted Shipyard Smash Pumpkin and Twisted Manzanita Witch's Hair Pumpkin Ale. Uh, as far as our tastes are concerned, Shipyard Smash Pumpkin far and above uh, uh, you know, the most the most superior of the two. Mm -hmm. uh, but like Peter said, if you're into a lot of the really spices and the you know the uh, the nutmegs and the, and the cloves and everything else, uh, you might want to try the Twisted Manzanita. Uh, for us, Smash Pumpkin, far and above. talking to Bob Case here in about uh, two or three minutes, so you want to stand by here and wait for that because uh, Bob's always interesting to listen to. He's got a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of experiences. We're going to take a quick break and come back right after this. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend... Unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Talk Story Radio. I'm Kim Kicks. 
And I'm Pete Kicks. And we're Satellite Sky. And if you're looking for a place to find a great beer, make sure you come to... Sweeps World Radio. It's rockin'. Talk to our radio network and give Bob Case a call. Hello. Hey, Bob. Welcome back to Swoops World. Oh, great. Thanks a lot. Is this Keith? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Glad to have you back. We want to introduce Bob Case to the show. He's a vice president of the International Boxing Association. He's a well, he's an expert on USC football. He's been involved in Major League Baseball. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we thank you for joining us again, Bob. It's always an honor to be on your show, Keith. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Last time we talked, uh, we, 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 we talked a lot about SC football and, uh, and Anthony Davis. And, and as you know, AD comes on the show quite a bit. He'll be on after you tonight. Uh, uh, we were looking at uh, what the season was going to be like. And we've seen some things this season. Uh, you know, the, the guys are, you know, they played, they played some decent, they played some good ball at times. And they've, uh, they've kind of not played full games at other times, close games. They've kind of given it away at the end of the games. We've seen some things with uh, alumni. Uh, Lindell, Lindell uh, White getting thrown off the field, and all kinds of strange things have been happening. Also, what what have been your thoughts about this season? Have you been? Uh, you've been. I know you've been keeping track. Of what's been going on? Uh, yeah, Keith, I have been, and uh, you know, there's. A, I think there's a lot of good things, and I'll tell you what they are first before I go into what I think are some of the negative things. But I think, I think uh, Steve Sarkisian has done under the circumstances an amazing job, and I think, you know, I think he is a good coach, and I think he has a great future as a Trojan. I think there's going to have to be some adjustments made with his assistant coaches, and I'll go into that a little bit later, but I, the players all like Steve, and that is, a, that is a key thing. I mean, all the players I've talked to really like Steve, including Lundell White. I mean, I was talking to Lundell a couple of days ago, and he loved Coach Sarkisian, recruited him, you know, and he had no problems with Coach Sarkisian. He liked him, and he was always classy and nice, and and I, I really haven't heard anything negative about Steve Sarkisian. You know, it's just, you know, sometimes a coach being loyal to his assistant coaches can hurt him. You know what I mean? They bring, I think it did with John Robinson when he brought in some of the same coaches, and your your, your loyalty can sometimes turn around and buy. In other words, I'll say this. If if I think if, if Clancy Pendergrass, the defensive back coach and defensive coordinator last year, was there and uh, Ed Ogeron was still there as a defensive line coach, I think the team wouldn't have any more than one loss, and maybe not any losses. That's just my opinion as a fan. And like Lundell, who Volkus, you know, let his opinion as a fan be known, I'm a fan, and neither one of us are on the SC payroll. So as fans, we are, you know, I think should be allowed to voice our opinions. And, you know, I think I told you, Keith, you know, I've been following and close to SC football since 1954 when I was nine years old. When they had C.R. Roberts and Jaguar John Arnett in the backfield, and if you do the math, you'll see I've been following it for 60 years, so, and I've known a lot, been privileged to know a lot of the players and the, you know, the people in the places, and I just think, um, you know, I think SC has great talent. 
I think they have as good a talent as anybody in the Pac-12. I really do. You know, especially these, all these. I mean, think about the freshmen that are playing this year. They were playing in high school last year. I mean, their whole offensive line are freshmen. That mama kid, the the number fifty kid, who's they moved the right tackle in the last game. You know, these are freshmen. Yeah. They're playing great. So you know, you look at some of the older kids are getting worse, and that's coaching. You know, I've seen some of the. I don't want to mention names, but some of the older kids that have been around a while. They're not as good as they were two years ago. And uh, you know, somebody told me it's a very well-known SC football player who will rename nameless said to me, if it was a scholarship issue, they'd be getting blown out in the first quarter. It's not a scholarship issue. It's a coaching issue when you're losing in the last, uh, you know, and I, and I don't fault Sarkisian, as I told you. I think he's doing, I think he's doing too much. I, I often think that maybe he should be letting somebody else call the off. But, I mean, I think the great thing is he's got good charisma and the players like him. And that's, that is so important, you know, today. In this, and he can speak to the media, the media like him. I mean, he's a, he's a you know, he's kind of a, an outgoing, nice guy that everybody likes. So he's which I couldn't say that a year or two ago, you know what I mean? So, you know, there's a lot of pluses. And, uh, you know, and I just want to say this, you know, Lendl White I've known since he was in the, uh, you know, since he first started, and he was he's a great kid. And if you talk to anybody that knows him, he's a wonderful kid. He's from Colorado. He kept come from the streets like a lot of these kids do. But I don't think he liked uh, the athletic director coming up to him in front of three of his ex-teammates, Chavo Rochelle, Dominic Burden, or somebody else there, and the current team, and uh, without you know he didn't he'd never met the athletic director before, and and with a television audience and a full coliseum coming up there in the final quarter and bitch slapping him in front of all these people, I don't think he really appreciated that. I mean, if you think Wendell White, the school's been there since 1888 and will be there when I'm dead, he scored 57 touchdowns in three years. Nobody else has ever done that, and nobody probably ever will. Three years. And if there was no Lendo White, there wouldn't have been Reggie Bush. In other words, they weren't giving Reggie Bush the ball on the three-yard line. They were giving it to Lendo White. And the point is, to come up and disrespect a former player in front of a, a TV audience, a full coliseum, and, and uh, you know, and, and as Lundell said, he said, you know, he said, you know, you don't challenge a kid like you say, hey, look, son, I'd like to talk to you. Let's have lunch. Let me buy you lunch. Or come on over to my office. Or hey, look, can you meet me after the game? Or so you don't do that in front of all of his friends and all that stuff. And Lundell's a street kid. He's not going to take that crap. And and number one, he didn't even know who this guy was. He'd never met him before. Yeah. He told me that. And and uh, so he said to me, you know, he told me, he said, what the hell did you ever do here besides hand the ball to AD? That's what Lundell I told this guy. You know, so. Uh, uh, you know, and that's a true story. There's the whole. He said it in front of the whole team. So you know, the the, po- the point is, this guy, you know, he goes up to a basketball game last year, and and goes up to one of the top donors in the history of the sports program there, and who's got things named after him around there, and goes up to him and says to him, "Why are you trying to tear our university down?" And attacks him and a uh, a trustee on the SC trustees. You know, you don't go up to donors and talk like that at a basketball game in front of his friends and all the all the people around him. You know that is uncalled for. I mean, you look, it's it's not you know it's not the kids. It's you know like Lendell Lendell said in the newspapers, the fish thinks at the head first. And you know it's it's like you don't go up to uh, you don't go up to the referees and you know I knew the old, old athletic directors Jess Hill and these guys. They would have never gone down and fought with referees at on national television and then jumped in the coach's arms after the game like they won the Super Bowl. I mean, come on, show some dignity in class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's just, 
That's my opinion. That's just my opinion as a fan. And because I, Lendell and I both love SC, but that doesn't mean we don't. We have to love the athletic director. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, we have that in common. You know, we we both love SC, but I don't like what's going on up there from the head, you know, down. But I I do think they got a great recruiting class. I think that these young kids are this Juju Smith is off the charts. They should have been using him more, I think. But I mean, there's so many. This Dixon, the tight end, is terrific, and I think he's got a great future. The offensive line, as I told you, are terrific. And you know, and this Adoree Jackson is you know, and kept Kevon Seymour's a junior this year. He's been playing lights out, you know, and, and with a, you know, he, he'll, he could be an All-American candidate next year, and so could Adoree Jackson. I mean, the kid's a freshman. He was playing at Sarah High School last year at this time, and he's been off the charts. You know, he ran back a kickoff 100 yards. He's, they haven't scored a touchdown off him all year. So you look, and Cody Kessler's done a great job. You know, I mean, you look at Buck Allen. You look what's going on around there. It's all good stuff. And I think once they get, you know, get the things cleaned out of the carburetor and get all the you know, the, the fly ants out and everything, I think the thing can really run. I think they got a, a good future, you know, and I think, and I, and I believe in Sarkisian. I think he's a great coach. I think he's got a great future, and I think he's smart enough to figure out, he'll be smart enough to dissect what's going on around there and figure it out. Oh, yeah. So I, overall, I'm positive. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. In other words, it's, it's like, you know, the old saying, I always say it's like watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in your new Cadillac. You know, <laughs> the, 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 there are... I mean, there's some there are emotions. some things I'm very happy about there, but there <laughs> there are other things that I'm not happy about. Does that make sense? Exactly. <laughs> you know, but but uh, you know, and I I just think that uh, you know you I, I just can't imagine you know if you're a young recruit, let's say you're a young black kid in the ghetto, and you see the athletic director going up there and fighting with one of the all-time top Trojans in in a public venue with the audience watching, 80,000 people, a television audience, and all the players and, the, and former players and, and current, would that make you want to go to SC if you see how they treat the players? Oh, it wouldn't make me want to go there. What? So, you know, and Lundell even said that in the newspapers, you know. He said, why would some young kid want to go to SC when they see how they treat their former athletes? Especially a guy that was a former athlete, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, you know, like I've always said, you know, you can ride these Oxford things down. And, you know, there's guys that graduate from Oxford that have different colored socks on. You know, so you know the point is, you know, you, you know you, you can live off that so long. You know, that's my opinion. So. Well, yeah, yeah you know, quite a few interesting points. But like you said, as, as a fan, and I've, I've been an SC fan for years, uh, I've never seen an athletic director act that way. Uh, as also as a fan, I, you, know, you mentioned a lot of the players. I think Nelson Angular is is an amazing athlete. Uh, and he's always exciting to watch. And, and like you said, you, you know, he's not a freshman, but uh, there's some there's some talented kids out there in the field every week, and and they're and they're out, they're playing lights out when they do. And um, like you said, the mistakes I think the mistakes they've been making, especially if they need these close games where they're, they're losing at the last play of the game, the, to me that's a that's a coaching issue. And, uh, absolutely correct. I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's absolutely. And like I said, if <laughs> if, if if they had if Clancy Pendergrass who they canned. And and uh, you know, Coach over there, I don't think they'd have a loss. They could be they could be uh, without a loss right now. They could be a zero at the end of the thing. And I really believe that. I honestly believe that. You know, and 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 it's it's no reflection on Sarkisian because he can't control everything. You know, what I mean, I think he's doing a good job at the top. But you know, if you got a bunch of people below you that you know aren't doing the job, I mean, you know, on that hail mary pass. You had the wrong guys back there. You know what I mean? Why, why wouldn't you have Dixon or Juju Smith back there defending that pass? And like 10 people have told me 
the guy that caught the Hail Mary pass had nine receptions and two touchdowns before he caught the pass. Oh, yeah. Now, why would he have, how could he even be allowed to get off the line of scrimmage? They should have knocked him on his butt before he, he should have, he should have been double teamed or never gotten off the line of scrimmage. But, you know, it's, and then you see him unmolested in the end zone catching a Hail Mary pass when everybody in the stadium knew what was going to happen. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's not the player's fault. You know, it's, you know, you don't have linebackers in the end zone when that kind of stuff's going on. You have some tall guy that can jump. Like like the Dixon kid from St. Bonaventure that's hardly ever even used over there, you know. But uh, you know, it's you know, like I said, I think he's going to get. Uh, I think he's got great chemistry. I think they're all good kids. I really do. I've heard nothing but good things about the character of the kids and everything. I mean, this Mama kid from St. John Bosco, he's a, a 330 pound you know guy who started every, and he plays hurt. He's a tough kid. He had a kneecap problem. Gets right back in the game and plays hurt. You know what I mean? So you know the, you know the, you know a lot of those Pacific Islander kids. You don't see that. There's no wimps in those from that place. You know this, this kid plays tough, and uh, that's what you like to see. You know there's a number number fifty. I forget. I think his name is Lobadone. I mean that kid's off. You know, this is a freshman. And he played. He, he was starting at guard as a freshman, and then moved to right tackle in the last game and played lights out. Yeah. So you know, you you got to really, really say. And, and you know, if they get a few some good recruits this year and mix them in with the ones they have, I mean, think what Odori Jackson is going to be next year. I mean, Kevon Seymour could be an All American. You know, I mean, he, that kid's got a lot of potential. You know, he's from my old high school, John Muir High School. But I mean, he's. I think he's really got a lot of potential. And you know, if they if these kids are coached up. They're going to be great, you know. And if the kids are coached down, they're not going to improve that much. You understand what I'm saying? So you know, it's like, uh, and I've heard a lot of fallout about defensive coaches, you know. But we don't need to get into all that. But that's that's Sarkisian can worry about all that, you know. But like I said, he, the good thing is he's liked by all the players, and that to me, that's they really like him, and that's that's really important, I think. Oh, absolutely. Well, we we, we got uh, you know they've had some some. They played quite a few games and some, some tough, tough teams, but you know, as far as SC is concerned, you know, they still got UCLA and they have, still have Notre Dame. Uh, and like you said, we talked before. Before this is the 40-year anniversary of, of uh, AD's uh, exploits against Notre Dame. What do you uh, What do you envision uh, in those two games? Well, you know, I, the way SC has played so far, I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at Boston College, and uh, you know. Uh, and, and, and they score 500 yards against them, you know, uh, it's hard to predict, but I think SC is capable. Uh, I'd love to see Sarkisian go, you know, 4-0 November, and I think they're capable of doing that. You know, will they? I don't know. But I, I absolutely believe that they could beat Notre Dame, you know, in the Coliseum, and I believe they can beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And UCLA has ecked out a lot of, I mean, they they have really ecked out a lot of uh, real things they should have lost, you know, uh, in my opinion. You know, they're very lucky to be where they're at. And I think SC could beat them. I really honestly do. Because, you know, look at Leonard Williams. Look at the year he's having, you know. And he's been playing her with a hurt shoulder. But he's, you know, him and look at Sua Cravens, you know. I mean, off the charts. You know, they're two of the best, you know, defensive guys in all the nation right now. You know, and Sua Cravens is only a sophomore. Leonard's a junior, and we'll probably never see him again after this year. But... But, uh, you know, these guys are playing great, and if they can pick it up, which I'm praying they can uh, against the Irish, and, you know, and Cal's going to be a tough team. That Goff, the quarterback at Cal, is throwing, you know, I don't know how many yards. They knocked Cal, Leonard Williams knocked Halliday out of the game at Washington State. That was one way to get rid of him, and he, was, he had 730 yards in one game, and this kid at Goff, I mean, he's, 
he's a great quarterback. You know, he's got, you know, they're, they're, if you look what the, you know what gives SC the most problems are running quarterbacks, like the kid at, the kid at uh, Boston College that ran for 190 yards. You know, you look over the history of SC, these, these option quarterbacks give them more trouble than the slot back passers, you know, so I just hope, uh, Notre Dame's got a quarterback that can run. So, you know, you never know, but I'm, I am pulling for the Trojans, and I think they're, they have the capabilities to beat anybody. That's what I think. Well, and, uh, you, you mentioned those types of quarterbacks. Hunley's that kind of quarterback. I think he's, he's, he's absolutely lead this team in rushes some games. And uh, absolutely, Notre Dame is definitely beatable. They 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 fall behind. I mean, they fall behind quite a bit, and they've come back. Uh, I mean, I think they're six and one or something like that. But they've come back in at least three three games that I've seen, uh, and maybe even more. They, absolutely, you know, so they're they're definitely beatable. I they like you said about UCLA the the. The Irish have eked out a few games that they probably shouldn't have won also. Right. Keith, you mentioned this is 40 years. I didn't even think about that since AD's game, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe I, I was 40 years ago. I mean, as uh, that was one of the, you know, those two games. One, he scored six touchdowns, the other in 72, and he scored four in 74. In the 74 game, were you at that game, Keith? Or? No, no, I watched it on TV. That's when you can, oh, like, can still watch SC on TV. I can, I can was that on the UHF or the VHF? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it was. I, I was at that game, and I've, I, I've never. It's the most memorable game I've ever been to in my life. I mean, in the second half, there was ninety thousand people that never sat down. Yeah. I mean, they never sat down. It was like a constant roar. I mean, AD went nuts. He went absolutely crazy, and uh, it was like something I've never seen before or after. You know, it was like off the charts. He ran, started off with a hundred and six yard kickoff return to start the, the third quarter. You know, and then and then the place never sat down. You know, Charles Phillips made a great return for a touchdown, and you know, just on and on and on and on and on, and uh, uh, it was it was absolutely great. And you know, the, the, you know, I think I told you this. The most interesting thing is, in those years, they voted for the Heisman Trophy December. I think it was before the AD game. Yeah. He would have blown Archie Griffin out for the Heisman Trophy if they had voted for it after that game. You follow me? Yeah. In other words, the votes were already in, then they played Notre Dame, and AD went crazy. And, uh, you know, they, he would have walked away with the Heisman Trophy. But And that's when they changed the rule. After that, they made the, the Heisman vote where all 12 games had to be final before they could vote. But then they voted, I think it was December 1st, or right at the end of the, whatever it was, but the votes weren't in when AD did his deal. So that's, but that's, you know, that's the way it is, you know. But, yeah. One of, the, one of the greatest comebacks of all time, man. Oh, I've never seen anything like it. Was tw- I think it was 28-6, to six, and they scored a touchdown with a minute left. AD scored a touchdown at, 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 at halftime. And I remember my buddy saying, hey, let's get the hell out of here. Let's go over to Julie's and have some cocktails. You know, let's get, let's, let's <laughs> get out of here. And I said, great place. It's not there anymore. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It was a wonderful place. I mean, they had great sandwiches and drinks, and you could everybody hang out over there. But you know, and I and I I said to my buddy, I said, let's just wait for five minutes of third quarter, and we'll take out of here. And I I, I just thank God I waited for the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Bob, you've done so much in your life. Uh, I know you were involved in Major League Baseball, and you met a lot of a lot of the old time players during that period of time, and. Uh, you got any? You got any uh, great stories for us about some of the some of the old guys that you met? Well, you know, I was so blessed and fortunate. You know, I got to meet. You know, I was back with Casey Stingle when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1966, and Ted Williams went in with him, and I spent a lot of time with with Ted and Casey over the years. And you know, uh, and through Casey, I got to meet. I mean, you know, you got to remember, I'm just some young kid when he hired me when I was 20 years old. I was a 
equipment guy for the Los Angeles Angels, and when they left, they moved to Anaheim in 60, 65 was the last year. I worked, I worked for them 62, 3, 4, and 5. In 65, the Angels moved to Anaheim, and they were playing in Dodger Stadium. So when they moved to Anaheim, Casey said, why don't you come to work for me? And I said, and this was in 1965. I said, he lived in Glendale where I lived. And I said, what would you like? So you can be, you can work for me doing that. You know, so I ended up being his business manager for 10 years. And it was the, the, one of the greatest gigs I ever did in my life through him. I got to meet, you know, presidents and the White House and here and there and people I would have never met, you know. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I, I was telling you today about a, something I thought was very interesting. You know, you always hear these, these things about who is the greatest player, who is this, who is that. Who, you know, I always say Ted Williams is by far the greatest hitter of all time. But when you talk about the greatest all-around player, just like the greatest all-around boxer was Sugar Ray Robinson, in my opinion, and most people that know boxing, the greatest all-around player, and I'll tell you something, that was I never forgot it. It was in 1980. I was down in Palm Springs. I was working with Rod Crew at that time. And they, he was, they were in spring, they, they had spring training down in Palm Springs in those years. All the years I worked from there down there too, in the 60s, and they were still down there in 80. And I was sitting in the Angel dugout, and I was sitting next to Leo DeRocher, the former manager and Hall of Fame manager and great player. He actually roomed with Babe Ruth, and he'd had bypass surgery, and he was living in Frank Sinatra's, uh, his place down there. Frank would take care of Leo and uh, let him live in his in his. And he had a place, a beautiful place down there. And so Leo came out to watch spring training, and I was sitting right next to Leo, and a bunch of reporters said, Leo, who's the greatest player you ever saw? Now, Leo roomed with Babe Ruth with the New York Yankees, you know, so he'd been around. He'd seen everybody in the history of baseball. And he got a funny smile on his face, and he said, he's kind of smiled and nodded, and he said, I'm going to tell you, there's five things. And what he said was mind-boggling because it's unarguable. You cannot argue or dispute it. He said, there are five things you judge a player for. And the five things are hitting for average, hitting for power, throwing, fielding, and base running. And he said, in the history of baseball, this was 1980, he said this, and I would say it's still true in 2014. He said, and he said, in the history of baseball, there's only one player that I have ever seen on a 1 to 10 scale, would get a 10 in all five areas. And that's hitting, hitting for power, base running, throwing, and and fielding. And he said that player is Willie Mays. Willie led the league with over 50 homers twice, hit 660 in his career, and that's playing eight years in Candlewick Stick Park, which probably robbed him out of 150 homers in the wind. And he said he won like 20-something gold gloves. He said he led the league in stolen bases. He led the league in home runs. And uh, he led the league in batting average, you know. And, you know, there's, and, and you can go right through Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Pat Williams, Stan Musial. You know, you can go right through all the players, and there's not one player you could say would get a 10 in all five areas. Now think about all the players you can name. Name some players, Keith, and see if you can get a 10 in all five areas. <laughs> I can't, I can't even think of any that would do that. And so, you know, Willie Mays, without a doubt. Now, Mickey Mantle, before he hurt his knees, might have you might have said that about him. But now, nah, I don't even know if I'd give him a ten for throwing. But I mean, there's you can go right through the whole list of all the great players that played, and there's no, you know, Hank Aaron would probably be the closest thing to Willie Mays. He made it look easier. You know, Daryl Evans was a client of mine for many years, and he was Hank's teammate. And Daryl said to me. You have to play with Hank every day to appreciate how great he is, because he would make 
Willie's hat would fall off when he'd chase a fly ball. He did things with, you know, he played in New York. He played in or. You know, pardon me. Uh, you, you you went away for a second. Uh, you said <laughs> he, you you were saying he said uh, he played with him every day and what? Oh, Daryl Evans said that to really appreciate Hank Aaron, you had to see him every day. You know what I mean? Every day. Yeah. You know, there's there's when you when you talk you talk about baseball, there's been so many outstanding players over the years, and, then, and you know, when you break it down like that, somebody who's who's hit those five, you know, those five key. Ingredients to, to baseball and led the league in a wall. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. And you know, another thing I, I always tell people, you know, and you know, I'm in the fourth quarter now, and I'll, you know, I'll probably never. I hope I never live to see Casey's record broken. A lot of people don't realize this. Casey Stingle is the only manager in the history of baseball that won five straight World Championships. Now think about that: five, 1949, 50, 51, 52, 53. He won the World Series for the New York Yankees. And he won 10 pennants in 12 years. And, uh, you know, uh, the bottom line is, you know, that may never be broken, you know. And John McGraw was his mentor, and that's who he learned under. And uh, Billy Martin kind of was, Casey was his mentor, you know what I mean? So Billy was a Paul Bird, Casey's funeral with me, and uh, loved Casey, you know, as a lot of people did, you know. I mean, he was a great guy, a great ambassador for baseball, you know, a true ambassador, you know. He treated the shoeshine guy at the Essex House the same as he would the President of the United States, you know. He treated the cab drivers. He treated – Casey used to tell me when I was a young kid, he'd say, Bobby, take care of the little guy. And I never forgot that. He'd say, take care of the little guy. He'd go into Colonel Sanders' chicken on Grandview where he lived in Glendale. He'd, we'd stop off and he'd buy a three-piece chicken and some, you know – some mashed potatoes and coleslaw. In those days, you could get that for, I think it was two ninety-five or three ninety-five. This is 1969. He'd hand the girl a $5 tip. You didn't see that in a fast food place. Get somebody giving the girl a $5 tip. He paid for the funerals of ex-ball players. You know, Casey was very fortunate. He lived in a mansion in Glendale, was a multimillionaire, owned banks and everything, but, you know, had made great investments with Ty Cobb and Al Lopez, the old manager. But, I mean, the point is, uh, I loved, you know, you never could pick up a tab around Casey. You know, he was a true ambassador. I never saw him stiff anybody for an autograph. Yeah. I never saw him not want to talk to people. You know, he didn't care what your pedigree was or what, what your color was. If you like baseball, you're his friend. And that's what I call a true ambassador to the game of baseball. Well, he, he, we, we've had discussions here on the show about, uh, you know, these people who've you know who've made it in, in, in you know in, in athletics or in entertainment or whatnot, and it's you know it's a public arena, and and we understand that they have their private lives, but you know there are those out there who are known for to shun people away, who are kids away, who try to get an autograph and whatnot, and it's, it's always uh, it's always nice to hear about you know the good guys. All right. Well, you know, you know, Keith. In the old days, all the players were like your next door neighbor. There were, you know, there was no arrogant jerks, and you know. But the the whole world was different then. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, now these kids collect bubblegum cards, and it's how much money are they worth? You know, we, we I used to put the bubblegum cards on the spokes of my bike when I, you know, you know, so it make your bike sound like a motorcycle. You know, so in other words, we didn't. You know, if a guy got traded, if Gene Baker got traded from the Cubs or the Pirates, I'd take my card and write out cross out Cubs and write Pirates in and ballpoint pen, you know, on the card. You know, so I mean, and then we weren't thinking about how much money is worth, how much, oh, how much is, you know, that, and that's, unfortunately, that's what's kind of changed the game. Everything is about dollars now, you know. It's not about, 
That's why I love uh, the job Bruce Bochy did with the Giants this year. I mean, you got to love that team. That's a baseball team. There's no superstars on that team, and Baumgartner's lights out. But I mean, they did it with a bunch of guys that are just scrappy guys. I, I always knew they had good chemistry. Bochy's not a guy looking for the camera, always looking to be on TV. Or he's he's just a baseball man. You know, he's a blue collar baseball guy, and all the players love him. You know, and you know, you look what he did. I mean, he made all the right decisions. You know, he, he brought in the pitchers at the right time. He left PV in a little too long in Game Six. I thought he should have had a quicker hook, but thank God. I mean, every other decision he made was right, and I thought it was a great World Series. And I and I thought I love the Kansas City team too. Same thing. Ned Yost did a great job with that team. These are underachieving teams. Now think about the Dodgers with their highest payroll in baseball. Kershaw and you know all these guys, Pugue and and Ramirez. They're all home watching on TV. Where are the Angels? Where's Albert Pujols? And where is uh, Mike Trout? And where is uh, you know uh, Hamilton? World? They were home watching on TV. So you know you got to admire these teams that you know baseball is chemistry like most sports. You know it's chemistry. It's do the guys like each other? Do they like hanging out? Do they like you go? I walked in the giant clubhouse last year and they're playing cards. You know at, at one o'clock in the afternoon. You know they're all sitting around. They like each other. You know and that's the way baseball used to be. The guys hung out with each other. When Warren Spahn, Spahn was a client of mine, he and Lou Burdett roomed together for years. And 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 he, they would they would tell me each one of us could order the other guy's breakfast. Yeah. You know, they were almost like they were married because they were together all the time, you know, and they, they, they liked each other. They enjoyed each other and they had fun, you know, so you don't see that today. You know, guys after the game, 25 guys go their own separate ways, you know, yeah. half of them got limos and chauffeurs and this and that, you know, the, 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 the fans can't get close, close to the players today like they used to, you know, you don't, you don't see, you know, once in a while, there's some, nice, I like, I, this Kershaw's a nice kid. I hear he does real nice things for with the with the fans and stuff, you know. So there are still some throwbacks, you know, that are great guys, you know. So, But um, everything changes, Keith, as you know, everything. But, you know, you know, I love college football. SC was there in 1888, and it'll be there when I'm dead. And they're not moving to St. Louis. They're not moving to Oakland. They're not moving. You understand what I'm saying? They're, you know, it's, 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 they've got history. They've got, and, you know, that's why, and, and you go to a college game, you see a completely different crowd than you do at an NFL game. You know, you see, Alpha game, he fights in the stands, people drunk and don't even watch the game. You know, they're just there for, you know, you go to a college game, you see real true fans, you know, yeah. and uh, I, I, that's why I love college. I, I hope we never get the NFL in L.A. I, I, you know, I used to be a Ram fan, but once they moved out of here, I said, the hell, that's why I, I love this. You know, it's been there. Well, last last thing, Bob, uh, uh, you know, you're vice president of the International Boxing Association. Uh, what's happening? What's happening these days, man? Uh, any any uh, any up and coming uh, uh, guys or contenders? Yeah, some we got some. We got some real good prospects. You know, we 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 just I, the last time I talked to you was right before the Bernard Hopkins fight. He fought our IBA champion. Uh, Bernard's like almost 50 years old, and he's fighting in a week. But we have we we just finished a fight in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, Steve Smoker did it, and then we have on the 14th of November. We have a fight. I believe it's on Showtime. It's uh, for the Continentals IBA belt, and it's going to be in Russia. And then on the 15th, we have one in Portland, Maine, for the Americas belt. And then on the 18th, we have our women's junior welterweight belt, which will be fought in Bermuda. You know, so we've still got a lot. Of, and there's some good. You know, down at I'm down at Freddie Roach's gym in Hollywood on Vine Street there twice a week, and there's a young kid coming up, and he's with Golden Boy Oscar De La Hoya's company. His name is Frankie the Pitbull Gomez. And I told the kid the other day, and I told his manager, if, if this kid was a stock market, I would buy every share of him. I mean, he is off the charts. He's he's now 21 years old. He has the same birthday as Oscar from East L.A. 
He's 18 and 0 with 14 knockouts, and and he's got when he hits the mitts in the in the gym, everybody looks, you know. And I and I don't know. Somebody was asking me the other day. I got to tell you this real quick. Somebody was asking me the other day, who's the greatest fighter you've seen in the last 30 years? And you know what my answer was? Do you guys know who James Lights Out Tony was? No. Yeah, he was uh, he was the middleweight. See, that's what I mean. He was the middleweight champion of the world in 1990. And he, James Lights Out Tony, he he became our IBA heavyweight champion. And, you know, the only thing James couldn't do was, you know, he liked to eat, but he never had a drug problem or gambling. And he was only 5'10", and he knocked out Evander Holyfield. He beat John Ruiz. I mean, he, he beat some of the greatest heavyweights and cruiserweights. And I, I've always said this guy had as much, he was like a throwback to Archie Moore and the old guys. He had as much talent as anybody, any fighter I've ever seen. Now, he wasn't promoted properly, or you'd know who he was. You know, he wasn't, you know, you know but this guy was as good as, you know, there's been some great fighters in the last 25 years, but... He's probably the best I've seen, you know, absolutely the best. And there's this Russian kid. I went to the fights with the actor Ryan O'Neill the other night. You remember Ryan O'Neill, the old actor? Yeah, we went we went down there to the Home Depot Center, and Ryan loves this Russian kid. Um, he uh, he's from Russia, and he's 31 and 0. His name is Glenady Golovkin. He's 31 and 0 with 28 knockouts. He had 384 amateur fights, never knocked off his feet or never buzzed, and he's off the charts. I mean, they sold out the Home Depot. They had to add 2,500 extra seats. That was on the 18th of uh, of October. But a great fight, and um, he, he, this kid's going to be awesome, this Russian. I mean, he'll, there's nobody can beat him today. I don't think there's anybody out there can beat him. Floyd Mayweather's, you know, he's still, I, I still hope he fights back, you know. That's the fight that everybody wants to see. But. Yeah. Well, what do you guys like? What do you like, Keith? I mean, do you like, is there anybody out there you like? You know, I, 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 was, I used to be a big heavyweight fan. Yeah, middleweights and, and lightweights. I like, you know, middleweights were. You know, there was a time where middleweights were, were some really really good fights. Uh, and I think Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, and uh, the fights he had with uh, <clears throat> what's the guy's name, um, the tall. Uh, oh, Thomas Van Hearns. Thomas, Thomas Van Hearns, yeah, yeah, and and Roberto Duran and those those guys. Those those, yep. are, some, those are some good years. But, Great fighters. Uh, hey Keith, can I tell you one Mike Tyson story? Uh huh. Do I have time to tell you one Mike Tyson story? Okay, this 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 may be. I want you to know why I've been a Mike Tyson fan his whole career. Now this will blow your socks off. This story I'm going to tell you, and I'm glad I can get it out there on the radio where people can hear it because nobody knows about it except Mike Tyson. I'm going to tell you there's a there's a lightweight fighter named Ike Williams who fought out of the Madison Square Garden. He was he was owned by Blinky Palermo and Frankie Carbo, two mob guys. They, you know, they clean him out. He's one that considered, he and Roberto Durant are considered two of the greatest lightweights in history. He's in the Boxing Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame in Canastoga, New York. Ike lived out here, and he was broke the latter years of his life in the early 90s. And he lived in a little apartment over on Franklin and Hollywood. And he used to call me up at the end of the month, every month, and say, Bob, can you take me and buy me a sandwich? I'm, I'm running short. And so I, he was a Burns detective, you know. This, and this is a great Hall, Hall of Fame fighter. Became a Burns detective, you know, one of these runner cops. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd go, I'd go over and say, "Yeah, I come on, I'd take him to, to Musso and Frank's, and I'd take him to these places. He liked all these different places. And I'd take him over. And one day, every month he'd call me, Bob, can you take me out for a sandwich? So one day I said, "Yeah, but Ike, I got a special treat. We're going to the Monday night fights at the at the Forum in Inglewood." He goes, "Oh, great!" So I took him out for a sandwich, took him down to the Forum. I drive my car in. And I say, "Ike, go to the Forum Club. I'm going to go out and park." 
and I'll be right in the in the. I'll meet you in the farm club. It'll take. I had to get our tickets at Wilco. So I go over. I see some friends of mine. Talk to them for a few minutes. Maybe I was gone 20 minutes. I go in, and little old Ike, he was the sweetest little guy, little black guy from from uh, New York. I said, he says, Bob, he says you're always driving me around. You're always you're always buying me sandwiches. Here's a hundred dollar bill. And I said, Ike, number one. He says, I want to pay for your gas. I said, Ike. I would never take money from you, number one. But number two, I thought you were broke. Where'd you get $100? He says, Mike Tyson walked in with his entourage. And he says, I went up to him and I said, champ, I need a job. He said, you know, even telling me this, I get chills. He said, Mike looked at him and said, you're Ike Williams. Mike recognized him because Custom Auto used to make him watch all the old fights. He says, you're Ike Williams. And I said, what did he do then, Ike? He said, he called me over in the corner, and he said, he gave me $2,000. I said, what? I said, where's the other 1900 It's It's in my sock. Now, I I want not, Okay, now fast forward. When I was working with Johnny Tapia, Tyson's fighting in his garage in Las Vegas. He's there with his manager, Shelly Finkel, Finkel, and there's some, some media people around. And the media around, and I said, Mike. I just want you to know Ike Williams is a dear friend of mine, and I know, and before I could open my mouth, he gave he gave me that big gold tooth grin, and he goes, shh, with a smile, like, don't tell anybody I did anything good. You follow me? Yeah. In other words, is that a story? I mean, I became a lifetime Mike Tyson fan from that point on. But from that point on, I loved the guy. You know, he could do no wrong. And people, you know, that guy's been totally misjudged. He's got a heart of gold. And, I mean, you know, I know people that are in the limelight that wouldn't have given Ike Williams 10 cents. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, right. And uh, that, to me, it was one of the more beautiful things I'd ever seen. And, um, you know, and and I'm glad to see Mike doing good now, you know. A lot of people thought he'd be dead or in jail, and he's making a fortune now. Yeah, he's, you know, doing... he's got his one-man show and whatnot. Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, Bob, uh, uh, we we got to run, but I, I want to tell you that my, the greatest fight, the great Otto is the greatest fight I ever saw, but it's the most, most memorable fight I ever saw. Was, uh, I think Mike fought um, Michael Spinks. I think it lasted about 90 seconds. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when, you, when, when Tyson fought, you never had to go to the judges' scorecards. No, you, know, you sure did. <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. But um, hey, Keith, I, I lo- you know, I just love talking to you, and uh, and I, I know your show is doing great. Uh, you know, I know because uh, how many people told me they heard it. You know, so. <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you uh, for for joining us, and I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you you have uh, you you definitely boost our ratings, so we we love that. But it's always well, thank you. But just root for the. Tro- I know you guys are Trojan fans, so root for the Trojans. Absolutely, you know? man. We'll we'll talk okay. to you again soon, Bob. Thanks a lot. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> Bob Case, Bob Case, everybody, get a chance to, uh, you know, we we, uh, we interviewed him earlier before, earlier in the year, and uh, that's in the archives, and he's got some pretty uh, interesting things to say, and he's he's an opinionated man, uh, but he's a, he's a great, uh, great, uh, great guest, a great individual, and, uh, and we're sure you'll enjoy everything he, uh, you get a chance to hit, listen to him. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're, running, we're running behind. We've got Anthony Davis coming in. I'll uh, be talking to him right after this quick break. This is Xene. This is the virus. Back after this.
and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. This is Parker Ainsworth. You're listening to Swoop's World, where things are awesome all the time. Remember that. Mama driving, don't know why she's crying now again. show anthony davis uh we ran a little late with uh, bob case how you doing man i'm doing fine it's always uh always good a chance woke to... up this morning. what's that i woke up this morning you're still above ground that's what i'm talking about oh <laughs> 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 uh, man as always it's uh it's always a pleasure to chat with you talk to you about what's happening in the world of sports uh we had a really good conversation with bob case uh a few minutes ago talking about things happening over at sc and as well as uh, Major League Baseball and all kinds of good stuff. How have you been, man? Been busy, of course. Been busy. I'm a busybody. <laughs> What's on your mind this week, brother? Well, you know, first of all, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different things. You know, first of all, you know, the because uh, I always talk about the, the playoff situation in college football. That's a mess. Uh, and one thing, you know, with, with – uh, I've been thinking about is it, you know, these, 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 these commentators on radio and TV every day talking about the athletes and that. And I just want to tell, listen, you know, I mean, when you're making a lot of money as an athlete and you're doing different things, you're in another world, another league. I mean, do people really think that when people say on radio, these guys really care what you say? The only thing they're concerned about is their teammates and organizations at the end of the day. You can say whatever you want. It makes good TV and good conversation. But a lot of people don't. They don't care what these commentators say. You know. You know how some people would say, "Well, I'm. I don't feel that, and I feel that he shouldn't." You know. Do you think people really care about that? <laughs> do they care if a guy's making ten million dollars a year playing sports? You think he cares what anybody's saying about him off off the court? Somebody, some comment. What, what does that mean? I thought I, I was marvelous at that because a guy on the street asked me about that. I said, we never worry about things like that. I mean, I know I didn't. Right. They never affected me. I just, I just thought it just made good television, good radio, good commentary. That's all it is. But, but first of all, I mean, end of the day, we don't care what anybody says. Only thing we care about is our teammates and our organization. That's it. And that's what these guys, and even more so today, anybody gets caught up in that kind of stuff is it's ridiculous. I was, I was these guys today. I care less what anybody says. If it's not affecting my endorsements, it's not affecting my ownership. You can say whatever you want. I'll just, I just laugh. <laughs> so you're saying you're saying Brady wasn't autoric when people were saying he was done at the beginning of the season. And Man, I don't think I don't think I don't think Brady cares one iota. I don't think Peyton Manning cares one one iota. I don't think they care. The only thing they care about is communicating with their teammates and their organization. That is it. Right. Anybody just caught up in the tweeter stuff. 
and all that stuff. This is insane. They don't care about that stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, like, you know, I just hope people who listen to me on radio have have people listen to me on radio. Can I bring some kind of story because I played the game and I've been there and I know what some of these guys go through. You know, and when I talk about stuff, I try to give constructive feeling about. I try to I try to talk away so people can feel like they're in the locker room and experience what I'm talking when I explain to when I'm on radio with. Right. So so when I so if if I say something about Brady from a football perspective, since I've been there, then that gives me credibility because people know I've been there. But when I hear other people talking about stuff like that, forget it. Look, Tom Brady, <laughs> Tom Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and New England Patriots, they have a great system. Now, me as a ball player, former player, look, Brady, is, is a, he's a statuish quarterback. He's a statue. Brady and the, uh, the Belichicks and the organization they have there, they know how to put the pieces around. Okay, he knows he can't scramble. He knows he can't run. But what he does, he does it the best. He has the pieces around him. When the pieces are not around him, you know when they're vulnerable. So when people were talking about him early in the year, I started laughing. Come on. One game, two games, what is that? So what? It's pro football. These guys readjust. They're going to get it together. And and, and, and the thing that, that, that throws the Patriots off, when you lose certain key guys in front of injury, the only thing I can tell you people who's listening is that when they have people that come, if they bring people off the practice squad, they bring people in from other teams, whatever, they have to learn the system. The terminology, and that's why they're slow. But other than that, this is pro football. And these guys are in another world out there. When they get on the football field, they're in their own world. They don't they didn't care less what anybody's saying. Period. So you, 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 you need to heed to listen to guys like me who played the game on that level, and they can, they can explain it to you. Now, if you ask me something, I'm going to tell you the way it is. These guys don't care. <laughs> Well, here's a, here's a question that, that I have. Uh, I, I hear a lot a lot of the guys on, on radio and a lot of the pundits, you know, they're talking about the mobile quarterbacks and the mobile quarterbacks this and mobile quarterbacks that. And granted, those guys, being mobile has a lot of advantages. But if you look at who's been dominating the league this year, it's not the mobile quarterback. I mean, Rothenberger's not a mobile quarterback. Uh, Peyton Manning's not a mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, and neither is, uh, neither is Tom Brady. And these guys are putting up some amazing numbers uh, right. You know that are just—I mean, these are record-breaking numbers. Uh, so, it, is it this—is it the in individual team system, or is there, is it something to say about the, the, the still the pocket quarterback? Well, it's, in, it's the individual team system, and it's the, and, and it's the heart of that certain player. That you know, I mean, for example, Tom Brady play is a better weather quarterback than than Peyton Manning. But then also too, Tom Brady is a little more versatile in terms of his play with his system versus Peyton Manning. The thing that gets Peyton Manning in trouble from a football standpoint, I played the game, is that if it, it, it's too much Peyton sometimes. It's too much pass, 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 and it becomes very obvious what he's going to do when he runs the ball. He doesn't have a blend of pass, run, and that's been his home. That's been the only criticism from a football standpoint. You remember John Elway. When John Elway got Terrell Davis, they won two Super Bowls. He'll get you to the promised land, but he ain't going to take you over that mountain. And, and, and Elway did that four times because they got a run game. You see, now Peyton needs that. See, he, he, he doesn't have as much balance as, as Belichick. They have enough run game along with what they do to get him over the hill. That's why they've won three Super Bowls and been there five times. 
That's the difference. It's all it's about the system, who's running your system, and the pieces around these 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 statues, these statue quarterbacks. What I call because they're not mobile. See what they do, they do it the best of anybody. Now, if you run across a guy, you take like Cam Newton, who, as far as I'm concerned, is big, strong, and mobile, and everything else. He doesn't have pieces around him. Right. So, so how do you get rid of a Steve Smith when, when you know he wanted the Steve Smith? Hey, go talk to him. Don't just get rid of Steve. Well, we'll bring in. You just can't do that. Everybody, and he's got to get on the same page with these new pieces. He's got to find out how they run routes, how they feel about the cadence, from the cadence all the way, how he throws the ball to him. See? But, 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 but in terms of the Peyton Mannings, the uh, Tom Brady's, and all these guys are just, and Ben Roethlisberger and stuff like that, they're so extreme and so good at what they do, then you just got to, and so their system is where you have to put the pieces around them. And the emphasis with Peyton Manning is you, he has to have a run game. That's the only thing I think is, is, is the difference between him and having one Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowls. You got to have a balanced attack. You live with the pass, you're going to die with the pass. And, and Rothenberger, he's had the same thing in, in his success as a Super Bowl quarterback. Right. Had, he, had, he said he had enough run game to compensate offset his pass game, just like what Tom Brady has. But 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 the future of the game is the big mobile quarterback. That's where it's going. That's where it's going, unfortunately. Because you see these kids come out of college, with, most of them now, they're big and they're mobile. And they can run. They can go pick you 10, 15 yards. You know, Dave Manning, I don't know about that. That's, you know, he, he's a snail. Brown Brady's a snail. rothenberg has got more mobility than those two. It's interesting that you say that, you know, that's, that's the way the game's going. I was watching the, uh, I believe it was a Florida State game uh, over the weekend, and, and the uh, announcers there were talking about uh, Jameis Winston and, uh, and, and somebody else, I forgot who it was, and they were saying, you know, these guys take off and run. They said, well, they won't be able to do that when they get, you know, when they play on Sundays because of the investment that the teams spend on the quarterback. They don't want them running downfield getting hit. So they're saying a lot of these mobile quarterbacks are getting really handcuffed when they go to the NFL because the, the organizations don't want them to be that mobile unless it's absolutely necessary. Well, yes, yes, no, no, it sure depends on what system he gets, gets in. You say, you know, you, you for, for example, if, if you got to be smart, you, you know, you, if you're getting college and stuff, you're not playing 20 games and stuff, but, you know, you can college you're playing, you know, 12 games. But the bottom line is, if you know you can run, you got to pick and choose when you do run. And then when you run, you better get down, and you better think about that investment. And that's what it is. But still, you can still get whacked out if you stand in the, in the pocket. Look at Tony Romo. So, I mean, you know, uh, we'll get to that, too. And I'll tell you some of what I've experienced with what he's experiencing now. But the bottom line is, you, you should always have that, that extra weapon to take the fact that you can run. The fact that the defensive coordinator and the defense knows that you can run, that's enough. But just to get out there and run, just to be running to, to show off or whatever you need to do, you know, that's where you set up yourself for injury. What's, what's the difference, uh, uh, and, and you talk, we talk about the mobile quarterbacks. I mean, when I was a kid, Fran Tarkenton, was a, he was a scrambler. Uh, right. And, and he'd run around, he'd run around, run around, run around until he found somebody open to throw to. Uh, and you know, occasionally he'd go downfield. But what's the difference in the in the, what we call the mobile quarterback now and his game back then? 
Well, he was mobile back then. He was just he was just off the chart. He was so under boxing. He he was like a video game way before his time. I mean, this man was zigzagging back like a fly. I mean, and and, and I played against Fran. So I mean, he he's always been the way. It, it, it's it's similar, but I don't think people do as much of that as he does. No, no. But I mean, he was just a one of a kind type of a quarterback. But you got to remember, the sad thing for Fran Tarkin, he went to four Super Bowls and only didn't win any. He was like Jim Kelly, who couldn't run. He was a stationary quarterback too. But they both they both went to four Super Bowls and they both lost four. And and, Tar- and Fran was just as just as mobile as anybody today. Yeah. And not only that, he was he was a Russell Wilson of his day because they were the same size, both five ten, and both did scramble. The difference between Fran and 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 uh, and Russell is. He has more run game. You know, he had Chuck Foreman there with, with, with the, the Vikings. And if Chuck was used in similarities like where, where they used Marshall Lynch with the Seahawks, who knows? Whatever that formula they got working up there in Seattle, a lot of people should use that. With uh, this, let's, let's move over to the college college right now. We, 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 you and I were talking about the, the playoff system. Uh, you know, they come out with the rankings, uh, and, and, I, and I think I've mentioned this before. I, it seems to me that a lot of these teams, uh, I don't know if it's because this is the first time they have the playoff system. Uh, it used to be, you know, you win your conference, you, you go to a bowl game, and you're pretty much set, you're good to go. I, I, some of these teams seem like they're coming out and they're playing pretty tight, at least the first half of a lot of these games. I don't know if that's because of what we call parity within the conference or is that because they're worried about this whole playoff system? Your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think it's about the playoff system at all. I just think that what you mentioned is parity. That's the key. I mean, you know, it's good. It's good. I mean, to, to the point where I even like what I see. I like it when you don't know who's going to win it. I really do. I do like that now because the parity is so, so close. You know, I like it the fact that the Pac-12 is playing the way they're doing and, and the SEC is playing the way they're, the, what they're doing and half that conference. A lot of people say, well, well this conference, half this conference is probably the strongest of any team in, in, in college football. Well, you know, on paper, yeah, but on any given Saturday, that can change. Because, like, look at everything up to this point, all the parity across the country. And it's like it's like everybody's on pins and because they don't know who's going to win. And then the people they suspect are supposed to win, they get beat or even get blown out. You know, so I mean, that's what is exciting, and that, and, and I don't, and these teams don't worry about, these teams do not worry about uh, playoffs and stuff like that. They just go game by game. It may have been the back that we win this game, we're still in the playoff picture. Well, you, you can't think that way. You just got to, you got to do one game and one game only, and you got to play your best. That's how I look at it. And you can, and, and the coaches, you better be on your P's and twos and coaching your team versus. These other teams, because it's going to be a chess game from here on out. And everybody talking about these top four. Well, hey, guess what? You're going to be pulling your hair out because it's going to change week to week in the last three or four games. And it's going to be somebody left out looking in. It's going to be unfair because a lot of these teams are going to start peaking the last two or three games. And I and I believe that the, that the top four is going to be different. The, end of the, the next three games are going to be different because somebody's coming out of there. All play each other, so 
What's it's interesting also is there's a lot of six and one teams in the, in the in this division division one uh, football this year. I think even even Nebraska six and one. Huh? Seven. seven uh, they're eight and one actually. There, there's, there's a lot, lot of seven and eight and one teams. There's a lot of teams with only one loss, and 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 you know you could talk about strength of schedule, and you could talk about all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of teams that play really tough schedules with only one loss, and and I don't know how how are they narrowing this down? Are, are you? Are you getting a sense of, of how they how they're coming up with these numbers and how they're coming up with these rankings? I don't know how they come up with these crazy rankings because it's, it's a better okay who's playing the tougher people based on what everybody talks about the SEC the strongest in both divisions even the look the lower the the, the bottom half of the SEC people say it's stronger than any other conference well I don't believe that either. And I just don't know how they're going to come up with that. And they're going to look at the strength of schedule. Well, how do you do that when everybody's so tight? And, you know, everybody predicts certain teams to win week to week, and, and that's just the opposite. I mean, you know, if, 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 I mean, look at Oregon in the Pac-12. I mean, they're peaking now because they said they have key pieces come back that have been injured. But you can't put anything on that. I mean, look look at Utah. They got beat by uh, they got beat by Arizona State. Who's going to beat who can Arizona State get beat next week? You go to the Big Ten. What what if, what if, what if Ohio State beats Michigan State? Where you put them? What if somebody knocks off Florida State or ties Florida? Whatever. So I'm just saying, you never know, and you you can't judge anything on schedule anyway. As far as I'm concerned, you just can't do it. That's why you need to throw the, the system out. Also, you thought the BCS was bad. This is going to be more of a nightmare. As far as I'm concerned. You know, the other thing I, I find very interesting. I understand it's season by season and whatnot, but I mean, you got like a team like Florida State. I think when they won twenty some odd straight games, they haven't lost for. I mean, like two that's years. phenomenal. Yeah, I mean that's that, that, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, I take my hats off to of Florida State and that SEC, but they don't care. Look, I don't care right now the way it stands with Florida State. The SEC, they say it's not even with powers compared to the rest of the conference. But the one one thing is one thing we can we can say about the SEC. Florida State's at the top. And everybody jockeying with them, ranking them one, two, or three, whatever it is. You never. It's like it's like people don't want to give them number one, but they keep beating everybody. And Jameis keeps 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 winning and pulling it out. I mean, he, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of consistency, he's the best quarterback in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Still, you know, he's had his off the field problem. They're making it. They're trying to politicize what's going on with him on and off the field. But as far as I'm concerned, he's the best so far. He's been the most consistent so far, other than the, other than the kid from Mississippi State. That's it. I mean, you know, and Florida State is right there with anybody. As far as I'm concerned, it's Florida, it's Florida State right now and everybody else. <laughs> Until they knock them off, based on the current system it is, they're the, they're the team to beat. That's it. The, uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, Florida State, there's a, there's a lot of names every week. You watch a game, just about every game you watch. I have I hear some announcers say, "Well, so and so, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate." And uh, some of these kids, frankly, I never heard of. But uh, you know, uh, how many how many Heisman candidates are there out there at any one time? And uh, how many of them really have a, a, a really a, an opportunity to to win this thing? Who out there actually has an opportunity to win this thing? I saw James. Jameson, outside of the Florida State kid, well, the kid in Oregon, of course. You got the kid at Mississippi State. Look, the kid at Mississippi State runs the table. He's going to win the Heisman Trophy, believe it or not, if he runs the table. 
Even even if Florida State runs the table, they, I think he's the front runner right now. He wins the Heisman the based on what's going will, on there. Jameis another Heisman. Well, of course we know that because of the stuff. Okay, but if he wins the national champion and these guys get bumped, it's going to look pretty stupid. <laughs> it look pretty crazy. So I'm saying, you know, you never know. What if he does run the table and decides he beats everybody? Who, who, who's, who's? What if everybody? What if? What if everybody has a twelve? Uh, has a one loss and he comes out undefeated? He does. You don't think he deserves a Heisman? Oh well, you know, you you know very well what it's like to have somebody deserves a Heisman and not get the Heisman. But uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I, I understand that totally. I changed the voting of the Heisman, so I should. Say, that's why I should tell you that because. I'm saying, based on appearances and what's going on, he's undefeated. What if he runs the table and decides it was the was the national title? Isn't he isn't he entitled to win the Heisman? What if the guy? You see what, I'm what if everybody else has one loss and he has, and he's undefeated? Hello, <laughs> just figure it out. So what you're saying is I the mean, quarterback on an undefeated team should be the Heisman winner. Excuse me. You're saying a quarterback of an undefeated team should be the Heisman winner. I'm just saying, based on what you're talking about now, Mississippi State, where they're going, and the quarterback Mississippi State, if he runs the table, they're saying he should win the Heisman based on his 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 his, his, uh, his play on the field. Hmm. But I'm just saying, Jameis could run the table, win the national title. What about him? But I just think politically on and off the court, what he's been through, well as off the court stuff, the system said, well, no, we don't, you, you can't win the Heisman again. It, 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 I just leave it back to him. You will tarnish the, the Heisman name if you get him because of what he's done off the field. That's basically what everybody's saying. You know, you know, you just want to judge it. If you, if you want to make the high, if you want to politicize the Heisman trophy, the James ain't going to win it. But if it's just pure athleticism and he runs the table, he should win it. That's all I'm saying. But 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 now they don't politicize this trophy so much. You got to have a a certain image going on. I mean, you know, you, you, you look at Johnny Football now. Is all that and all his antics came afterwards? If it had been before, he probably wouldn't have won it either. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting the the, the fact that the, a lot of these a lot of these times with the, with awards and, and and voting and stuff like that. Well, a lot of the things that people take into account is what they call character. Uh, off-field yeah. character, not necessarily what the, the, what happens on the field. And I think right. when you when you do that, right or wrong, if you go back in history, there's a lot of guys who are in hall, hall the Hall of Fame and and won awards and stuff like that that would never have won them under the the, the scrutiny that the kids get these days. First of all, back in my day, if you did what half these kids did today, they wouldn't even be in school. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, half the thing these people get away with today, that wouldn't have been allowed. It wouldn't have been allowed when he was in house playing. Period. End of story. End the story. And what I say, dude, is if you're going to do, you know, what I say you should wait to all the stuff's done. You should wait to the national championship, all the games, and then you vote for the most out. Then you vote for the Hodge and Toby. I mean, that's what happened with me. You know, they, they, they voted before any of my games were done. And I set all the NC2A records and didn't win it. So the guy who beat me out for it, I had uh, I out in every category but one. That's why they changed the voting because it's too embarrassing. Right. Well, I mean, this guy it goes goes he goes on and meets the guy who wins it, and then he beats the guy who wins it, and then he went and he went on won the national title. 
The guy who won it over me, I had two national titles, and he had no career, no, no national titles. I had two. They're my team with two national titles. He wins the Heisman two times. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get that. To this day, I still don't get that. So I laugh at that. <laughs> but I'm just trying to say, basically, that you know, you should wait till all the games over, then vote for that that trophy. Because, because if, if, if you have two guys being head up, if, just like if you had a candidate, two candidates that meet in the, meet in, in the, in the national championship game, and you'd already won this trophy, gave this guy the trophy, and then this guy, this other, the other guy was, was the candidate, beats this guy, and now does this guy with the numbers, hello, you, make him, you made another mistake. And that can happen in this playoff system. It could be two guys and two candidates could be going neck to neck. And that's why you should wait everything over before you vote for the Heisman. Well, we're, we're, we're going to see soon. Uh, soon enough, things are, things are winding down, and, uh, and uh, we'll be seeing what's, what's happening each week. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this whole playoff system kind of works out the kinks, and, we'll, and they'll, you know, decision-making will be uh, something everybody can get behind. But uh, I don't see it happening yet, but uh, maybe it will. Well, if you have all these teams with one loss, one loss, and I said what's going to happen, it's going to be a mess. You already see it's, it's building to that now. You're going to have some teams who have one loss. They're going to be considered at all. It doesn't matter. Yes? No, I'm just saying you're going to see it's going to be a mess. You're going to see it's going to be a mess with this one losses. You know, it, it's got it's got to be more the size of a playoff system. Can't have four teams. You just can't have it. You know, I don't know how you're going to work this system out either. There's going to be some disgruntled people at the end of the day. And every week it changes. Every week it changes. Absolutely. <laughs> Being gruntled is boring. I prefer being disgruntled anyway. <laughs> Tonight, man, and I'm sorry. It's well, we, we went so far over, but uh, we want to thank you as always for, for coming well, on the show. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. It was two ladies uh, waiting to hear the show tonight. It was Carlene and, and, and Rainey, and she just flew in from Wisconsin, and she looked forward to hearing me tonight. And I just want to say sorry. We just ran over. This it happens like that, but I'm glad you stayed up to to listen to me talk. So Colleen, she loves that. She loves her fried chicken. So, you know, she has <laughs> eat her fried chicken. Yeah, she likes that Roscoe's and stuff, and she loves the fried chicken. Thing. Yeah, you know, so she's probably thinking, you know, I'm eating my chicken before I hear AD talk tonight. <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter was at Roscoe's just the other day, so uh, yeah, we, we we know we know all about Roscoe's. So, hey, once again, brother, it's all as always a pleasure to ch- chat with you. You got anything happening this weekend? Uh, our listeners need to know about. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm cooling out this. This is all Notre Dame month for me. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things around Notre Dame and got things happening. You know, this is the month of Notre Dame. So, so every year about this time, everybody starts calling, want to know what I think about the upcoming game at the end of the month. <laughs> well, we're going to be definitely talking about that. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week, brother. Okay. Thank you. Thank take you. care. Good night, AD. You listen to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. We'll take a quick break and come back for a little bit of T-Bone's timeout. This is Michelle Mangione. What is the Saint? Back in the
Tell me what is the same to you 
over here, behind the fence. Huh? You? The bike? Yeah, the bike. Here in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. Could you get the dust off my seat and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. Oh, you are dusty. I may need my spokes tightened, too. Let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. Get ideas. Get involved. Get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Let me drive. How do you know when it's time to give up the keys? When your dog grabs your keys from your lap and your lap is on the floor. If it's Jeff Foxworthy for Rad saying, when you party, be sure to designate before you celebrate. It won't make it home alive. Let me drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Please don't drink and drive. It's not fun. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. This is Sada Mola. And we're Alameda. And you're listening to the World. Uh, you know that sound? It's time for sports with T-Bone's timeout. Or as we say it here, it's T-Bone's timeout. It's cooling off a little bit tonight, finally. It was freaking hot as balls today, today, man. I was not okay with that. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I, I, uh, so I rode the bike to the gym in the morning. So, uh, I, I do the old Apple thing here, and, uh, 55 degrees. So, I, I bundle up, you know, right in the gym. I, I finish working out, and I ran, I rode the circuit, so I got my bag or anything else. Right. I finish working out, I walk out, so it's a, you know, toggle, toggleable, um, Degrees out there, you know, it's just a little comfortable out there. But now I'm all bundled up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I gotta wear all that shit home. <laughs> it was just flat out hot by the time I got home. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been nice. Yeah, you know, living the dream. Yeah. We've got some uh, some college foosball action. You know, we were talking about we were talking with AD about this playoff thing that we've got going. We got these four team playoff and. How on earth are they going to pick four teams out of all of these yeah. qualified people, all this stuff? You know, this Saturday, not tomorrow, not the next day, but the day after, we've got three games between one-loss teams who are ranked in the playoff top 25. you got TCU and Kansas State. you got... Ohio State, Michigan State, and you've got, oh, where's the other one? Notre Dame and Arizona State. Now, TCU and Kansas State, that's a Big 12 elimination game, basically. Whoever loses that game is going to have a tough time making a claim for the Big 12 championship because they don't have a conference championship game anymore. Did you see TCU's game this week? Where they put eighty two on? No, oh no, no, that was that was the week before. Yeah, this they, week, they had to come from behind, yeah, man. that's and you know that that was a good game. TCU's not a bad team for having to wear purple every week. <laughs> named Hornfrog. Yeah. Hornfrog! They're, they're horny toads, for Christ's <laughs> sake. right, man. 
they spit blood out of their eyes and shit. I mean, that's that's if you can if you can spit blood out of your eyes and call yourself a horny toad, then you I guess you're earned the right to wear purple. But the team they're playing this weekend, that other team in purple, Kansas State. I don't know, man. You got you can't be any kind of cat type animal and wear purple at the same time. That's just not that's just not good policy. But you know that that game right there. Probably a Big 12 elimination game, like I was saying. Probably a playoff elimination game as well. We've also got Ohio State and Michigan State in a game that is definitely a Big 10 East elimination game. Whoever loses that game, probably not playing for the conference championship. Whoever wins that game, pretty much in the conference championship game and still in the playoff discussion. That other one we've got between uh, one-loss ranked teams this weekend, we've got Arizona State and Notre Dame. Arizona State, uh, they beat Utah last weekend, who was ranked. Utah actually stayed the same in the rankings this week after losing to Arizona State. Um, And Arizona State, you know, they they beat SC on a Hail Mary in the Coliseum. With a backup quarterback. With a backup quarterback and all kinds of shenanigans going on. Notre Dame lost to Florida State in Tallahassee uh, a little bit because of bad execution. You know, they led for a good chunks of that game. Uh, they still had a chance to win it at the end, and they got flagged for an offensive pass interference for a patently obvious pick play. I mean, there's a difference. There's a difference between a rub and a block. And, yeah, they got nailed. They got called for it. Teams do it every day. If you watch the Patriots the other night against, uh, or the other day against the Broncos, they do it all the time. And, you know, Bill Belichick just says, I don't care what the rule is. We're going to do it, and we're only going to get caught 20% of the time. It's going to do it well enough to get away yeah. with it most, most of the yeah. time. Exactly. And it's just like every offensive line coach has ever met. I mean, you don't get called for holding does not – you know, it, it doesn't mean that your finger, your forefinger touches your thumb. That's not what holding is. Because grabbing is totally allowed. Holding means that your hands go outside like this, one way or the other. That's holding. Grabbing, totally okay. Choking, choking a guy with his shoulder pads, that's okay. As long as it's inside. And, you know, you just you work within the framework of the rules. In the words and of a, a great Doppler's. You know the rules. You play the game, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know Notre Dame, really, a few a few plays away from being undefeated, but also a few plays away from a couple of bad losses. losses. Yeah, they I mean, behind them. They they dodged a bullet against Stanford. Um, you know, they dodged a bullet against Navy for God's sakes. I mean, they they were losing to Navy for. They were losing to Purdue. Yeah, and you know. I don't buy Notre Dame as a uh, playoff team. And this game right there, one of those teams is going to definitely fall out of contention for a playoff spot. Uh, Because a two-loss Pac-12 team, before even getting into the conference championship game, is going to have a tough tough road. Uh, A two-loss independent Notre Dame team, this ain't happening. I sure hope. Granted, a lot of football to be played. You know, we had LSU make it into the BCS championship game a few years back with two losses. We had that Nebraska team in 01 make it into the championship game after losing by 
35 points or something, 20, 26 points, I'm sorry. Uh, not making their conference championship game. So screwy things happen when dominoes fall. But if people are concerned right now that there are too many one-loss teams, that concern is going to go away very quickly. Um, three of the top five teams in the current ranking for the college football playoff are in the same division, and none of them have played any of those other two, t- other, the other teams. So, right now we've got Mississippi State number one at eight and zero. We've got Florida State number two, also at eight and zero. We've got Auburn at number three, seven and one. We've got Oregon now at number four at eight and one, and Alabama at five, seven and one. Mississippi State, Auburn, and Alabama all have to play each other. None of that has gone down yet. So Auburn's, Auburn's still pretty good. Auburn is, yes. Yeah. And, you know, they... They're ranked third. They're 7-1. and one. Um, Interesting thing, Georgia, their stud running back, Todd Gurley, who's been suspended for a few weeks for uh, yeah, accidentally, money. accidentally having money fall into his pocket after writing his name. It does, you know. That's what happens when you cash usually time. when I write it my name, to me often enough. Yeah, yeah. But usually when I write my name, money's going out, yeah. not coming in. But I've had those odd occasions where yeah. somehow money found its way yeah. in and not out. Yeah. Um, but he has been uh, the NCAA confirmed that his suspension will be four games total. The meaning that he will be eligible to come back just in time for Georgia to play Auburn. There was a Florida Auburn game a few years back that was just an amazing. Yeah, there, was one. One, there was one last year too. Auburn, well, Auburn, won a, won Auburn, Auburn, and Alabama last Alabama. last year was awesome because the guy catches the field goal, the, the fifty-nine yard field goal attempt, catches it in the end zone and houses it. Yeah, um, the helmet that that guy was wearing was uh, being auctioned off for like 600k. Really? Wow. Something ridiculous like that. Wow. That was just in the last week that's or two. Cool. Probably, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, athle- that's, that's <laughs> athletic department property. That's bullshit. Athletic department didn't run it back. I'll buy it off you. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll auction it. Yeah. I mean, can I buy my helmet with you? Well, of those three teams, there are at least, I mean, there are three losses coming there. Where they fall, who knows. But there are three losses coming in there, in that whole shebang. So, uh, Mississippi State could still be undefeated after they've played each other through all that stuff. Uh, Or they could end up with two losses. You know, Auburn could end up with still one loss, or they could have three losses by the end of it. Alabama, same deal. So, you know, there is actually a nightmare scenario for the SEC and the SEC West in particular, where the SEC has five teams finish the regular season with two losses, all in conference play. That would be Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. <laughs> Uh, because all those teams are undefeated out of conference. And, uh, I mean, it's a possibility that you basically are looking at all kinds of random crap to pick one of those teams to play in the SEC championship game even. So it's kind of comical. Is it a strong division? Yes. 
Do we need two teams from that division in the playoffs? No. <laughs> because What's the, the strongest division? Is it, is, is it the SEC? The, the strongest conference? Uh, I mean, huh. you could make that argument. You could make the well, argument. Well, they make that argument every week. Well, yeah, <laughs> and so does, so does their parent company, ESPN, Walt Disney, ABC. Yeah. Um, which really, it's kind of comical when you think about, like, the South and the Walt Disney Company being, like, buddy-buddy. It's like, yeah, you guys are at opposite ends of the spectrum on a lot of things here. Um, but... You know, and one of the things I saw justifying, oh, the SEC isn't just overrated. They have the most talented players. Look at their recruiting rankings. And it's like, well, recruiting rankings are based on where they, these high school players get offers from. So it's there's some, some very circular logic in place there. And you know, at some point or other, you have to pick a spot and say, let's look at it here. And... Right now, there are five very good teams in the SEC, and they're all in the SEC West. There are five very good teams there. There are, you know, there are three okay teams and six bad teams in the SEC as a whole, too. So, if you look at them compared to another major conference, like the Big Ten has three very good teams, I think, and they've got two okay teams and... Well, Nine not very good to bad teams. When it comes to marketing, I think the, the ACC is just the best marketing. You know, when you watch, when you watch the ACC games, I don't know, if, I've seen it a couple times, but they run this commercial. They had uh, one the, uh, the BCS last year, one this uh, you know, dope blocker, Heisman Trophy, blah, blah, blah. And they, sort of like, they list five big awards, and they all come out of the ACC. It's got to be the Heisman Trophy. Okay? As far as marketing goes... Yeah. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the ACC, you know, from a football perspective, it's kind of like, oh, that's that basketball conference. <laughs> occasionally, Florida State or, you know, Virginia Tech does well. Uh, and, you know, I have a, a good friend who played football in the ACC at a decidedly basketball school. Tobacco Road, you know. That's, it's like, okay, cool. You know, they've got a good team. And beyond that, it's like, oh, you played against a bunch of basketball schools. <laughs> I mean, to put it in perspective, the second best team in the ACC for the last two years in football is Duke. Coach K, yeah, you know, he laced up his cleats. He said, I'm done with the hardwood. I'm going out. See what it's like outdoors. Uh, this Team USA thing is boring me. I'm done with that. I'm going to go coach some ACC football. No, and, and the ACC, they have access to the same basic talent pool that the SEC, SEC does. Yeah. I mean, you know, the geographic footprints overlap exactly. in a big way. Um, it's just a different level of expectations from your fan base. And I think that has a lot to do with why the ESPN SEC relationship is a problem, you know, because ESPN sees giant dollar signs when they look at the rabid fan base of all these SEC teams. These teams, yeah, sure, Kentucky, basketball school, 
Everyone else there, Florida has had great success in college basketball. Beyond that, they're like, okay, that's a that's a sideshow to get us through the winter, <laughs> you know, until we can talk about spring football. And ESPN sees all those folks and they say, yeah, these guys really give a crap, and they're gonna, you know, talk on the message boards, and we can talk about them on College Game Day, and folks are gonna just go go just ballistic. In the ACC, like I said, they got a lot of the players that played against each other in high school right. with guys from the SEC, and they've got boosters there who say, hey, football's kind of fun. It's like a lead-in to basketball season. It's just it's just different. It's not that the players aren't as good, and that was a problem I had with one of the arguments I read today. It's like, no, these guys, they're, they're just as talented. There is a difference in perspective and priorities, right. but doesn't it doesn't mean that guys in other schools aren't as talented? It doesn't mean that teams aren't as good. It's just I have a problem with the very one-sided conversation. All right, so two weeks ago, college game day, which was a guilty pleasure of mine for many years, because you wake up in the morning on Saturday and it's a funny show, and you got Lee Corso before he started to stroke out and stuff. Um, <laughs> He'd make his picks, and then he'd, the big game, he'd put on the mascot head for the team that he predicted to win and stuff. Two weeks ago, and you know, they've been to five this season through ten weeks. They've done five of their on-site shows at SEC games through ten weeks. Uh, they spend an average of just under an hour talking about SEC football teams and they spend less than an hour talking about all the other conferences put together. <laughs> I mean, and then have the audacity to get defensive and say that we're not biased in any way. This is the best conference. It's, you know, it's not about, it's just, Guys that I want to respect as football people, but I clearly cannot respect as journalists, and and that's making it me hard, making it harder for me to respect them as football people either. And Kirk Herbstreit, you're a smart guy, you're a nice guy, you're a good-looking guy, and that's the only reason you're on TV to begin with, you son of a bitch. But he's so in the bag you know he's such a and it's funny because you can't even call him a homer because he went to ohio state it's like if you were a homer you'd be back in the big 10 but you know he got embarrassed about the big 10 back when ohio state got pantsed in consecutive <laughs> national championship games by the sec and he said i i can't be a big 10 ohio state guy because i'll lose my credibility so i'll go completely in the bag for the sec instead it's like, dude come on is that, is that opinion or uh? that is my that is my entirely unbiased factual opinion yeah I could work for the supposed self-proclaimed worldwide leader now and allegedly exactly. <laughs> uh, you know I don't mind this playoff thing I think it's going to be an okay thing I think the the people who are in charge of it right now they're ranking the teams based on who they think is the best team right now. And you know they 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 have the luxury right now of being able to look at it and say of the top fifteen teams, nine of them or ten of them are going to play each other. So 
they're going to get a lot of the work done for them. They're going to be able to say, this guy beat that guy, that guy beat this guy. Things are going to move around a little bit. I think it's like anything else. It's first year. Everybody's nobody, Everybody wants something different. Nobody wants whatever the current thing is. And everybody's going to criticize it regardless of how it comes out. Uh, you know, I think they're doing the best they can. Like, you know, like Peter says, hey, you know, they, they volunteered to do it. Everybody else wouldn't jump up to do it. So, huh. You know, yeah. we'll see what It's see like what coaching, yeah. coaching girls soccer. It's like coaching girls soccer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, youth soccer of any gender. <laughs> regardless of whether it's boys or girls. But, you know, I, I think the only thing that needs to change is we either need – right now we have four spots – for uh, for a system accommodating supposed Power Five conferences, so we either need to go from five conferences to four in terms of the the Power conferences, or we need to go to more spots in the playoff. Even if it means just six, you know, throw a couple teams a bye and let some other people fight it out. But I think that's the only real problem we have right now is that at least. One conference champion from a school from a from a conference that you know has historically mattered in college football is going to be left out in the cold, whether it's the Big Ten or the Big Twelve or the Pac-12, even possibly the SEC. I mean, if you've got a, a two or three loss SEC champion, you know, a lot of years we would have heard, and, and this year I think honestly, if there's a two loss SEC champion, they're going to get they're going to get bumped in because it's just that's just how it is. That's how it is, but. I think we're not, you know, we're maybe a year or two from seeing that happen and them saying, you know what, no, you're not, you're not invited this time. And that's when we will really hear that four teams isn't enough. We need eight teams or six teams or whatever. Um, how many, these kids play how many games a season? College teams right now play 12 regular season games. If you're in a conference that plays a conference championship game and you make it, that bumps you to 13 and then a regular bowl game gets you to 14. A semifinal bowl game gets you to 14 with the possibility of 15 if you make national so, championships. So you really can't – this whole playoff system is really going to eliminate regardless of what it looks like because well, they're not going to – these, these kids aren't going to end up playing, you know, 16 games, 17 games. It's not going to happen. And it's going to be a really tough sell to get everybody to agree to go from 12 regular season games back to 11 just for the possibility of making that playoff because any smart athletic director is going to look at it and say unless i'm alabama i'm not going to be in that playoff more than once every 20 years so i want that extra home game every year instead and so yeah i mean i think the most it's going to go hopefully is eight eight teams in a playoff, and even that, I think probably they might even be smart to ease into it with six. Like, not like bye weeks are new to the whole college football bowl season. I mean, your bye week for regular bowl games was four weeks. Yeah. So um, we talked about that. A bit. Guys going to the Rose Bowl usually have at least from the Big Ten. They usually have three weeks. Yeah, because the Big Ten, the Big Ten was one of the last to add a conference championship game. So it would be your last game was Thanksgiving weekend. Or at you know at the most the, the weekend after, and yeah. then you've got until January first, so you got four That's to five, five weeks. Yeah. Fair, yeah, you got to finish finish tests. You got to do it in time to go to Disneyland. Lowry's, yeah, it's a whole lot. Yeah, it's a rough life, man. <laughs> I have to go to Disneyland and eat prime rib. <laughs> Fuck. All in the same week. 
I'm a vegetarian and a communist. I hate this. Oh, wait, we were talking about football, where we eat red meat and poor people. Oh, God. Yeah, man, college football, it's a mess. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> Still the best, best entertainment in the, around, man. It's true. You know, the Oregonians, newly minted in the top four again, they're playing – uh, I'm not going to call them that. They're playing Utah, <laughs> who, like we said, lost last week to ASU and stayed at number 17. Um, that one could be a rematch of the Pac-12 championship game. So that that one in particular I think is going to be fun to watch. Um, Notre Dame, Arizona State, that one's a throwaway as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't buy either of those teams getting getting further than they are right now. But ASU is number nine. If they win... You know, they the showdown with Arizona could make all the difference. I don't know. They still have to beat somebody from the Pac-12 North. So, right. who knows? Uh, I am particularly interested on a personal level in the Ohio State-Michigan State game because I still think that Nebraska is probably going to win the Big Ten West and play the winner of that game in the Big Ten Championship. I hope so. I would like to see them get another cha- another crack at them because <laughs> they played like dick <laughs> in their first game. So I th- I'd like to think they can do better. You know, that's my hopeless uh, hopeless optimism, eternal wellspring, super fan nonsense. You know, you guys have all fallen victim to it from time to time. If you're listening right now, you have to enjoy sports because you can't enjoy listening to this conversation if you don't. So. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all want your team to have a shot at redemption. And hey, a guy can dream. (sighs) Speaking of dreams, I dreamed of a day when the Chargers would not lose 37 to (laughs) 0 to the Dolphins. Oh, man. I, you know, okay, so Sunday morning. I was tasked with going and checking out a potential wedding venue. And I thought, let's go early so that, you know, (laughs) so I can get back and watch the game. (laughs) Well, the time was determined for me to go. And the time that was determined was 11. So I said, well, the game starts at 10. We have to leave at 10. So I guess I'm not watching the first half of the game. And on the drive down to Laguna, I started getting the gloom and doom text messages from my brother. And I was like, wow, you sound more unpleasant than I do right now. I'm trying to modulate my adjectives right now. So I actually dodged a bullet this weekend by going to look at places to potentially spend entirely too much money rather than watching my my NFL team play. Uh, and then I... <laughs> Sound like a Raider fan. Yeah. yeah. You know, the gal who was trying to sell the joint on us, she she brought us into the little bar there and gave us some drinks. And then I saw a TV and I saw, holy crap. Because I had checked the score at one point, it was 17-0, to zero, and I was like, oh, it's the second quarter. They got some time. And then in the third quarter... It was 37-0, to zero, and I was like, ooh, 
They don't have time. And there was a backup quarterback in, and it's like, oh my god. Oh, I was loving it when the Broncos fans went through that though, because I was getting razzed by Broncos fans later in the day. Oh, the Chargers suck. It's like, okay. Let's see how. Let's see how this goes for you. Let me, let me just sit here while you get ravaged. See, like I learned a long time ago, uh, you know, with personal work and stuff like that. You gotta sometimes you gotta just kind of hold off on that. You suck yeah. until your team's yeah. season's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> Call it karma, kismet, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's still circadian it's, rhythms. It still hits I the mean, same bones if you wait, you know, another three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Just hits a lot harder if it's got some oomph behind yeah, it. Yeah, it does. But uh, they could text you back, you know, an hour and a half after you have. You know, really, I suck. We yeah. suck. He was already down forty-two to nothing at halftime. Yeah. yeah, that and you know the the Patriots just they they brutalized the Broncos. I I don't know what else to say about it. It was just that was a team. Completely and totally outclassed its competition. They picked them apart, man. There was like no defense, period. And that's, you know, I, I get down on my knees and I, I pray that I would get drafted by Bill Belichick and the Patriots because I, f- I feel like he could find me a place in that system. He seems to find everybody a place in that system. Even little guys like Edelman. Oh, man. And, and uh, the one person on the Broncos that I felt for on Sunday was Welker because he got, he got he got absolutely lit up and it completely broke not only his back literally physically but the back of his team I mean his feet out. I mean <laughs> <laughs> you could see him kind of get some yippy alligator arms but he still caught the ball and then you know, he had a few catches earlier in the game, and he would catch him, and without looking over his shoulder or anything, just dive forward like "fuck this, I'm about to get, I'm about to get jacked up, and yeah. I'm gonna try to just save my body a little bit." Um, and on that one, he felt just too exposed, and he started to get his arm started to shrink, and then he gets hit, and the ball just goes bloop right into a, a Patriot defender's hand, and it was like, yeah, I. Yeah. You know what's really weird about that game, though? Uh, maybe the Pats were just hitting hard. Cause I, besides that, I mean, he, he actually got rocked. But I saw a lot of drop passes by the Broncos. Cause guys, I mean, I, I, Demarius I, Thomas dropped passes. Yeah. Julius Thomas dropped passes. Um, totally catchable ball. Emmanuel Sanders dropped several passes that the week before he, he, he couldn't drop anything. And against the Patriots, it, it was – just a, a case it, of... Is it a thing of footsteps? I don't think it was just a footsteps thing. I think there's a legitimate big game yips problem with that yeah. with that squad. I don't know if it's just the fact that they've got a coach who's now men, you know, lost two Super Bowls. I don't know if it's that they've got a quarterback who's lost two Super Bowls. He's won one. That's one more than his coach has. Um, <laughs> but one less than his brother has. <laughs> and that... Freaking! <laughs> all right, so you want to, you want to, all right, so you know, we talked earlier about DraftKings and how I'm getting my ass pummeled in regular old-fashioned fantasy football this season. I had this week in the bag, in the bag, and you know, 
my players all were finished on Sunday night. You should put Mike Sanchez up this week. I, I thought about it, but I have Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers, and between the two of them, I feel like I, and I've actually balanced that pretty well. Like I, Manning didn't have a great game, but he had to throw a lot because they were behind the whole damn game, whereas Rivers threw three picks and had a fumble. So I had Rivers on the bench, I had Manning in. Things were okay. But I was in the lead by like 20-something points. And the guy I was playing had Reggie Wayne and Indianapolis's defense. And Reggie Wayne went off anyway. You know, he was going to. But then Eli Manning just said, Here, go. Go win. Go, go take enough points for Taylor to lose this week. Mouth breathing, brain dead, redneck asshole. Bones me again, even when he's losing. You gotta know what to take him, man. He's, he wins or I pick him, and I don't pick him often, but. Uh, uh, I feel like I feel like you know, St. Louis. Just just take him. I don't even want him anymore. I don't even want this sport. No, I'm kidding. I love football, and I hate anyone who tries to damage it. Roger Goodell, I'm talking to you. Maybe he's listening. It's damn right. He better be. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't have time to watch a video, but he damn well listens to us. <laughs> his people watch videos. Yeah. His people are watching all the scandalous videos, but he has definitely got time because it's archived. You know, he can listen to it. He's got the podcast on his Whatever, whatever phone you know he chooses to have. He's probably got his Zoom. <laughs> I was gonna say he seems like an Android. Guy, you had to take it one step further. Wow, dude, Zoom, huh? A device that was ahead of its time, by the way. Quality, quality product. Poor marketing. That was the problem. <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk about football anymore, but I do want to spend like 12 seconds talking about the fact that A-Rod admitted for the second time in his life that he has, in fact, used performance-enhancing drugs. After all that time he spent trying to and get... threw his cousin under the bus while he did it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you gotta go down, you gotta go down. Gotta this go guy down. is such a scumbag... <laughs> Dickhead loser. I mean, it was bad enough that he tried to bitch slap the ball out of the first baseman's glove. It's like, dude, if you're going to take the juice, at least punch this guy or something. Don't throw a bitch slap. And now, yeah, I mean, he's no, just... Is, dude, if you're going to take the juice, deliver in October, all right? All right, all right fucker. <laughs> Make it worth our while. <laughs> And now, who's going to who's going to pick that up? The Yankees aren't going to play him this year. I mean, he's done. Is somebody going to touch him though, or is he going to get unofficially blacklisted? Well, he like did all that, he did all that. He admitted all that for immunity. He is clean. He's not. He's what he did last time. That's I know. I, it's just. But it's I, just. I, I, he will be playing. I will. I will see. Oh. I will see him at Oklahoma City Ballpark. <laughs> like I saw Sammy Sosa. <laughs> Playing for the Iowa whoever's. <laughs> Iowa Cubs. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, hey, he's got some baseball left in him. I'll see him in the minor league game. <laughs> this 
His days on the big stage are done. Uh, he's got enough money. I don't know why these guys subject themselves to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, he's got so much money. Why, 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 why even give a rat's ass about it, man? And maybe that's why he's doing it. Maybe he's just, just trying to. He's like, I ha- I'm sh- I've showed up, so now you got to pay me that last year. Of I think it's one more year that they owe him, right? If he walks away, then they don't owe him. But if he if he shows up and says, I'm ready to play, they gotta pay then they got to pay him. I think that might. I mean. Well. That's, that's a good move. Just hoping. I mean, that's, that's what I would do. I would definitely do that. I'm going to play until you guys give me my money. I'm getting ready to go. Oh, now I'm gone. I mean, yes. no other way that that's going to. And the, the Yankees are a mess right now with, you know, Jeter gone. And they're a mess. They're a mess. And he can only make it worse. So, you know, they want him to just disappear. And they're probably happy to pay him to disappear. Oh, yeah. I think they will pay and him. He's happy to take this. They will yeah, pay him. And they will designate him for assignment in the bus league somewhere. Or offer to trade him and pay his salary anyway somewhere else. Like they have been known to in the past. Isn't that what he's been doing for the last year? Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with Madonna. Or I was going to say, is he still boinking Madonna? Uh, I don't like Madonna anymore, but I'm sure wherever he's boinking is. The thing is, he's not boinking Madonna from when you were in high no, school. No, that's the problem. He's boinking Madonna. Madonna from like, like my high school years is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good time, but he's not boinking the old ones. <laughs> no, not so good. <laughs> sure, he's still having a good time. I I did promise that I would at least bring up Kobe. <laughs> Poor Kobe. Mm. I'm starting to feel sorry for him now. I'm so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> I don't think I would ever hear that from you. No, no you would never. But uh, yeah, I actually kind of feel sorry for him. He's, he's, you know, he's, throwing, he's throwing up 30 points. He's playing on the sheets. And, you know, he, he should have just. I, you know, I, I got to give him props for staying with the team. Uh, you know, his whole career. But that contract they offered him, I wouldn't have turned it down either. But that being, he should have just thought more about that. He should. He should have sucked it up. Said, you know what? Get some good talent in here around me, and then I can finish out my career. But no, he said, "Pay me the money." <laughs> All of the money. Yeah, so I, I can't get any decent talent in, and then, you know whatever. And, I, and I, you see a guy out there who you don't want to see him go out that way. I mean, that listen, I'm not a fan, but I don't want to see him go out that way. I mean, you, you got to give him props for what he's done over these many years he's been in the league. The guy's been an amazing ball player, but I, I don't want to see him go out that way. I want to see him go out, you know. Hey, I gotta give you credit. Miami looks better than I would have expected. Granted, we're talking about five or six games. Okay, we're better in Cleveland right now. Yeah, it's all about Golden State, though. Golden State—they're a force to be reckoned. They beat the Clip Show. They're a force to be reckoned, man. They were good last season too. But. The NBA, you really don't matter to me until like April, May. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. All right, another edition of
Martin. He was here with uh, the guy who's the drummer for uh, Ray Charles and whatnot. Uh, I can't remember his name. Charles, Charles something or other. He was a drummer for, was it Ray Charles or... Whatever he was, a, he was here with him. Uh, Christopher's got a new uh, 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 movie out that he wants, he's coming out to talk about and promote. But your birthday too, wow! Ready for your? <laughs> I believe so. Anyway, our ne next week our guest is Christopher Featheroff. Uh, <laughs> 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 we want to thank JD Nash uh, for joining us tonight, as well as Bob Case. Anthony Davis and uh, all the, uh, and all of you for tuning in on all the ways you can listen to us here on TalkStream Live and SwitchVille.com and uh, you can download us for free from iTunes. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Any uh, last words of wisdom from uh, my geniuses over here? Well, I guess no. I meant something even then, but too old. Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dream is live forever. Live as if you'll die today. That's it, folks. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.